Hello, everybody. Um, I think we're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, we've got, I think we might have a few more people trickling in, but I think we've got enough where we'll go ahead and get the ball rolling. Um, so good afternoon and welcome to the July 8th, 2021 Downtown Master Plan Steering Committee meeting. My name is Kyle Kobe, and I'll be facilitating the Zoom video portion of the meeting. Joining me here in the Ad Astra Conference Room is Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. We will work along, we will work to facilitate the meeting proceedings. Currently, I have everyone muted so we can talk through the general ground rules for tonight's meeting. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast live on the city's YouTube channel. During the meeting, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found on the lower left-hand corner of the Zoom menu next to the video icon. When you are muted, a red line will appear over the icon. This will make it easier for everyone to hear the meeting. Just remember to unmute if and when you want to speak. You can also turn your video camera on or off by clicking the video icon in the menu. For the purposes of this public meeting, when you are participating in the meeting, please keep your video on. When you are not participating in the meeting, it is okay to turn your video off. You will still be able to listen to the meeting when your video is off. You'll just have to remember to turn your video back on when you are participating. Turning your video off when you are not participating will help make sure that the active meeting participants can be seen on the screen. In some cases, I may turn someone's video off if they are not actively participating to avoid visual distraction during the meeting. You can always turn your video back on during the meeting as well. If you are participating by phone, you can enter star six to mute and unmute your phone. Somewhere on your Zoom screen, you will also see a choice to toggle between speaker and gallery view. Speaker view shows the active speaker. Gallery view tiles all of the meeting participants. You must state your name and title each time you speak. Members of city staff must also state their name and title each time they speak. I'll also ask that members of the public identify themselves each time before they speak to ensure that everyone is able to follow along. When comment is sought on an item, individuals participating via Zoom should use the raise your hand feature. Windows and Mac users can access this feature through the participants button at the bottom of their screen. Android and iPhone users can access this feature through the more button located at the bottom right corner of their screen. For those calling in by phone, you may dial star nine. When you are called on, please unmute your listening device and state your name before speaking. All motions need to be stated clearly. After a motion is made and seconded, staff will call on each commissioner individually to provide their vote. Staff will then need to announce whether the motion carried and the count of the vote. I want to again remind everyone to please mute yourself when you're not speaking. And now I'll turn the meeting over to Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. Good afternoon, everyone. Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. I'm going to start with a roll call vote, and I'm going to break norm and do it by first names since I'm not the best at the last names. So I'm going to start with Brady. Brady Flannery Weavers, present. Clint. Clint Paul, Lawrence Cultural Arts Commission, present. Dalton. Dalton Paley, I guess I'm a member at large, present. Daniel. I do not see him on the screen. Edith. Edith Guffey, member at large, present. Emily. Emily Peterson, business member at large, present. Aaron. Not seeing Aaron on the screen either. Matt. Matt Beach, Historic Resources Commission, present. 
Meredith? Meredith Moore, business member at large, present. Kimberly? Kim Onspach, Explore Lawrence, present. Nick? Not seeing Nick either. Sally? Sally Zagrai, Downtown Lawrence, Inc., present. Sarah? Sarah Hill Nelson, Darsock Mills and Power Company, present. Steve Clark? Steve Clark, uh, Principal Architect with Clark Eastman. Steve Kelly? Steve Kelly, Lawrence Chamber, Douglas County EDC, present. Ted Boyle? I am not seeing Ted either. Pam? Pam Blackburn, Elna representative. And Tom Burt? Not seeing Tom either. Okay. First of all, thank you for being with us this afternoon and being involved in this process. The consultant Halsey Levine Associates is with us this afternoon and will be starting the meeting with a brief presentation and then we'll be leading you through all the comments that have been received. I will ask that anyone who is not a steering committee member, please turn your video off so that the steering committee can keep their video on and they can see themselves on the screen as we work through those discussion items. At the end of the meeting, we'll be asking that the steering committee make a recommendation to the steering to the city commission to adopt the plan with the changes that are discussed this afternoon. I will now turn it over to Nick Davis with House Hill Levine. Thanks, Amy. Can everyone see my monitor? Yep, got a lot of thumbs up. All right, good. Okay, so as Amy had mentioned, uh, we're going to go through a brief presentation, just kind of an overview of what we're going to be doing today. Uh, and then we'll go through the, the comments that have been received up to this point, and then have a, a discussion about how we want to move forward with a, a couple of the key discussion points. So our agenda, we'll go through the downtown plan review process. So what's been done up to this point over the last couple months, um, we'll go through the purpose of this meeting, the, re the review and resolve of the, of the overall comments received, and then we'll talk next steps. So the first part, the downtown plan review process, um, just to kind of give everybody an idea of what's been done over the last two months. Uh, in April, we had delivered the draft plan to city staff on the 28th, we had published the draft plan in the survey. The survey is how people were able to provide their feedback, their comments. There were a couple of other ways that people were sending stuff in through emails or through the project website. Um, but there was a survey that accompanied the draft plan as well that gave people an opportunity to, to give us their, their feedback on the draft. Um, on May 20th, we held a community open house. On May 27th, we met with you, this, this group, um, to hold the steering committee meeting, went through a lot of the issues of the comments that you had uh, related to the draft plan. And then on June 1st, there was a presentation with the city commission. Um, and in that city commission presentation, they had recommended that we meet again with the steering committee, which is why we're back here today, um, giving us an opportunity to go through your comments and, and provide some clear guidance or direction on how to move forward. We ended the public comments, so closed the survey, and um, we still collected any comments that came into the project website or email, but we ended the kind of public comment through the survey on June 24th. 
then on June 29th, we had published the compiled comments that we pulled together. That's what was sent to you um, as a group and, and kind of made available publicly to anybody that wanted to see it. And then here we are today um, conducting the steering committee number four. Uh, and the goal, we'll go through kind of what we're trying to accomplish, um, you know, how we'll go through this agenda here in a couple of minutes. So the purpose of this meeting. So as I had mentioned, on June 1st, the City Commission recommended an additional meeting to provide the steering committee more time to review the draft downtown Lawrence plan. The goal of this meeting is to review and resolve outstanding comments. Um, I'll better explain what we mean by outstanding, but essentially there's, there's some that are very clear to us. We know we have to change them. It might be a Scribner error, a typo, a color change, um, something missing in a, in a legend or you know, a clear oversight, stuff that we, we knew we could resolve. Uh, I think something we would all agree on. There are some that are outstanding. And so I'll, I'll show you how we broke that out. And those of you that have gone through the, the PDF of the comments probably have a better understanding. Um, and then based on the steering committee's direction today, our team will make the necessary revisions and will prepare the final downtown plan. So that matrix that was sent out um, last week or two weeks ago, was really broken up into a couple of different categories. The first part was just the source to give you a sense of you know, where it came from. So was it something that we got in an email? Was it something said from the steering committee? Uh, was it from a listening session, an open house, uh, or the survey and the website? Um, we also provided a little bit more direction on, on how we're gonna take that feedback and incorporate it into the plan. So the first one would be something that we felt was already addressed in the plan. So there were times where someone would say something, you know, we know that was on page 42. They may not know that. Um, so those are just things that we've identified. Uh, there's some where it's just incorporate into the next draft. So there were a few comments where, as I had mentioned, um, you know, that makes a lot of sense. We should address that. Or we thought it was clear. That didn't make sense. Maybe it was a, a typo, that type of thing. So we'll incorporate that into the next draft. Um, there are some that are not incorporated, which is really what the, this group is going to spend a majority of our, our time going over today. Um, and there were just a handful that were outside of our scope. Um, if you have any questions about that, we can talk about it once we get through all of these, you know, what, what was designated as outside of our scope. But that's in that compiled list that we'd sent to you. Uh, there were also some topic areas, some themes that we were trying to break these down into more like buckets for discussion. Uh, those are... <clears throat> um, going to be on the next slide and I'll explain a little bit more what that looks like. But again, what we're here to talk about today are these not incorporated. Um, so currently they have not been incorporated into our set of revisions um, based on the feedback that we collect today from this group. Um, we'll either make those changes, we'll make a clarification, um, or it may be no change. So that's something for this, this group to help us decide. The topic areas, the themes that came out of this discussion, I won't, I won't read all of these, but it just gives you a sense of you know, through this document, what we're talking about and where people either agreed or disagreed or felt we should be saying something different. Uh, so as we go through these, and, and our, our suggestion is we will go through these uh, by topic area. Um, as we go through them, these are the ones that we're, we're looking for feedback from this group. Um, some of the ones that stick out, like policy, those will just be policy directions that this group needs to give us guidance on. It's not about any one topic. It might be something a little bit more broad in discussion. Um, so when we get to that, uh, we'll, we'll provide some clarification on what that means. So these are the, the discussion points that we have today. Um, this is the, the structure that, that we'll use as we go through this. Um, I think after we do a couple of these, it'll be pretty clear. Uh, but essentially what we want to do is having the draft plan on, on one side of our page. We'll go through um, the actual comment itself and then how this group wants us to uh, 
to address those issues. And then this is where that matrix came from. We're going to remove the ones that we, we either incorporated or we feel are already uh, addressed in the plan. And we're going to focus on that not incorporated. So reaching consensus uh, today, as we go through these different comments from the public or, or comments from this group, um, you know, preferred, we, we, we're looking for a verbal consensus from this committee. Um, so ideally, you know, as, as we present to you what we think we should do, or as this group gets closer to what we want to accomplish, uh, verbal consensus will be what we look for. As needed, we'll do a roll call. And that's really where we feel like we we're too close to a tie or it's just not clear if we all agree. Um, so once we're done going through all of these different comments, uh, we're hoping to forward a recommendation. We're hoping this committee forwards a, a recommendation to the city commission that they adopt the downtown Lawrence plan with the recommended changes that we identify here today. So once we're all on the same page about the changes that need to be made, uh, that's what we're hoping to, to reach today. Um, and then after that, once we've gotten to there, uh, the next steps for this plan, the downtown plan adoption process on July 19th, uh, we'll be revising the downtown plan and sending that to city staff. That'll get published on July 20th. And on August 3rd, uh, the final master plan will go to the city commission, hopefully with this group's uh, recommendation. Okay, so before... I jump into this. Uh, does anybody have any questions that we want to go into before we start going through each one of these comments? No? Okay. Um, okay. So our first comment that we have was um, from the open house. The question was, what is going on with the AT&T tower? So there's a couple that I left in here as an example of that's not incorporated in that, you know, that's something that's happening on private property. Um, so, you know, what's happening with the AT&T tower? You know, I don't have a direct response to. Um, if there's something more that wants to be done on that property, we can talk about. But I would say for this, that's just, that's almost outside of our scope in terms of determining specifically what's happening there. I'm not sure if they're asking what could be happening there. We do provide some recommendations about what could be happening at AT&T um, Tower, but again, I, I don't know if this group has an opinion on that or not. Does anybody have an opinion on how to address this? Otherwise, we're going to move, move forward. Just a heads up, we have about 120 of these comments to go through. It's quite a few. Okay, so the next question, um, this came up a, a few times as I went through this, but uh, what we saw was addressing future vehicles, so autonomous and electric. Um, there are a couple of instances where we talk about this transportation pattern changing, but we don't directly identify how autonomous and electric vehicles, um, you know, will change the the future of, of travel downtown. Um, again, that's not something that I think is within the scope or the timeline of this current project. Uh, if people feel differently, that's something we can talk about. Anybody feel strongly? Okay. All right. The next one uh, on page 96, the proposed, the proposal for bike lanes on all number streets is not consistent with the Lawrence bikeway plan, which is part of the transportation 2040 and comprehensive plan. Also, as discussed earlier, if room exists only for a narrow bike lane with one strip of paint separating the bike lane from automobile traffic lane, I would have advocate a different approach like a bike boulevard 
as narrow bike lanes are not considered best practice in separating bike and auto traffic. So in the bike section of this plan on page 96, which I can go to. So on the numbered streets, there would be uh, showing a designated bike lane. And then based on this individual's recommendation, it would be showing uh, a separated bike lane, something with a, a barrier or boulevard. Does anybody agree with this approach? Is that something that we should do? Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. I did have some conversations with our bike planning folks with the city. The only thing that that could potentially um, uh, prevent is on-street parking. Those right. numbered streets are not wide enough. And so if something different were to be done with bike lanes on the numbered streets, it likely means that there would be no on-street parking on those numbered streets. Yes, that is correct. Or you need a significantly narrow um, drive lane and turn lane for these to, to occur, which again, kind of goes against some of the other discussions that we'd had about what the purpose of these roads, the east-west roads are. No comments? Okay. Looks like Pamela Blackburn. Oh. Pamela, you can go ahead and unmute yourself and talk. Oh, and I'm sorry, P Pamela, and I, I'm, I don't mean to interrupt, but just real quick, if you have a comment, please, please unmute yourself. Uh, we're going to go with a, a verbal discussion here if we can. Um, if it starts to get to the point where we can't manage it, then we might go to the hand raising. But so Pamela, I appreciate the etiquette, uh, but feel free to, to chime in. Yes, and I'd love to turn on my video camera, but I have a new PC and apparently don't know how. <laughs> I am an IT professional. I just want you to know. Um, how is what you've proposed different than the transportation 2040 and comprehensive plan. So to Amy's, to Amy's point, we, I know in the transportation plan, they identify um, on the numbered streets opportunities for bike lanes at this point, knowing what some of the impacts might be to either that would be a removal of parking spaces or a reduction in the drive lanes. Our, our recommendation was to maintain those roads as they are now. If it's something down the line that you want to achieve the goals inside of the bike plan, they are, I suppose, to this person's point, they feel like inconsistent recommendations. Um, so I think if anything we wanted to add here, it would just be, you know, we acknowledge that the recommendations in the downtown plan maybe are not currently aligned with what are in the, the 2040 transportation plan. Um, and I think as infrastructure changes are going to occur, that additional study is going to be needed. Uh, we wouldn't recommend to remove parking to get the bike lanes in. I know the bike plan, the transportation plan. Um, I'd have to go back and specifically look at how they handled that offset of parking. But that's the challenge that we saw. No one wants to lose parking spaces anywhere. Okay, just wondering. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so on the next uh, next issue, also the slip lanes on 6th are dangerous to walk and ride my bike. I've had to stop for drivers looking the wrong way and idling into the road when I, I've had the right of way. Just saying it's very dangerous. Again, not not incorporated. We do identify some of the recommend, or I'm sorry, we do identify some of the improvements that have occurred on 6th and, and talk a little bit about pedestrian safety in that area. Certainly, as, as we talk about some improvements that 
occur with the bridge. Um, but in terms of, of, I think, deeper dive into the safety, that would be something that would happen as part of a, a transportation study or a traffic study at that intersection, which has happened over the years. Um, so I don't think there's anything further for us to add if anybody feels differently or feels that we should be talking about sixth um, in a more direct way, please let us know. Okay. So we're here uh, on page 65. Um, there was support for this idea. So I'll go, I'll go to that. Sorry, that's someone page. So it's just talking about some of the pedestrian gaps and the sidewalk maintenance. Um, but one of the comments I would add that mass could have protected boulevards that separate the bike lane uh, from the vehicles and more students slash residents would feel safer riding here. Um, again, we have, we've been pretty consistent on not encouraging you, you install bike lanes along mass street um, as long as there's diagonal parking. Uh, even if you were to separate the diagonal parking from the, the sidewalk, which would be a, pr a pretty significant infrastructure improvement um, to do the separated boulevard approach. That's a pretty substantial change to that. And the space really isn't there unless you start moving into the sidewalk. So again, using some of the other north-south roads has been our recommendation for, for bike improvements and not using um, mastery for bike lanes. Does anybody feel differently here? On page 67, so just talking about the Lawrence Loop, um, support having the Lawrence Loop run to the river and connect to Bertram Park. Um, I have ridden it and 10 feet seems a bit narrow for two people to ride and pass pedestrians, maybe near downtown. The high use parts of the city separate out people walking and on bikes or make it 15 feet. So that's just... Again, that might be slightly deviating from what is currently in the Lawrence Loop plan. Um, just saying that as it gets into a more dense area or as it gets into the down, downtown, recommending that it potentially go to 15 feet. I know spacing here is somewhat limited, but that could be something that in the plan here, we, we provide some guidance. So thoughts? No? Okay. All right. Um, so one of the next categories was would like to see uh, revisions to historic guidelines. So this actually came from one of our dis our last discussion. Uh, don't want to see new developments that match historic or matches historic. Uh, Wichita had good examples of modern infill development. So again, just a recommendation that there be revisions to the historic guidelines. The historic guidelines are in about six different categories. And do we, are we going to talk about them in each one? I mean, because to me, that's probably one of the sticking points for most people. Okay. Why don't I, I'll just make a, a note. You're, you're correct. And there is a section we try to do by topic area, although that might be closer to. It's in might... code, environs, historic preservation, policy, and redevelopment. Correct. Uh, my thing's not showing up. Sorry. So we can come back to this one as we talk about it. I mean, the historic preservation one is probably one of the larger sections and it does span a couple of different topic areas. You are correct. 
So do we want to wait? We'll just wait to the design guidelines when we talk about the historic preservation. Sounds good. I don't know why this won't open. Sorry, I just want to make sure I get a note of it. Okay. Um, so the next one was just to call out recommendations in each section in a, in a better way. So that's more of a document design issue. Uh, the, the recommendations typically follow kind of a, a tee up in each one of these sections. So we did not incorporate that. That would require a pretty significant redesign of this document. Um, didn't know if that's something that people had comments on, but really for the most part, the entire document includes a series of recommendations and the sections that we've broken down kind of tees up what the issue is and then provides the recommendation. So didn't know if anybody else had similar issues or, or discussion there. Nick, I'd like to just cover the one thing that you and I talked about that I had asked for, which was... Um, in the case of the different mixes of use in downtown, everybody's always, you know, most plans always talk about the, uh, a healthy mix. Either it's, you know, more housing or less bars or, you know, more retail and that sort of thing. And I think the recommendations are maybe um, less than ideal in the sense that the city commissioners, when they take this forward, are, are not really going to have any guideposts for what we're shooting for in terms of what our mix is for our downtown. And so, for example, uh, when someone comes to them with a convention center idea on a site, um, the commissioners could say, wow, I hadn't really thought of a convention center. That's not really in the master plan anywhere specifically um, in terms of a specific recommendation. Uh, lovely. We love the opportunity to talk to you about that. We will talk to you about that. But, you know, our downtown guidelines say that we really need to be shooting for, and these are just examples, you know, 30% housing, 30% retail, 10% service, you know, whatever those guidelines are. And so for city commissioners or our planners, I think to give them some guideposts for them to be able to come back to the developer, if it's a developer and say, wow, that's really cool. We love the idea of a convention center, but you know what we really need? If you could get us a grocery store, if you could get us some more housing or whatever the the deficit is that we're running in the city to get to the right mix, that I think would help people who are not planners leverage the plan uh, to get the right kind of development that we need. And I know you have a response to that because we talked about it, but I want to get yeah. it out into the group that says, I think that specificity even if it's a range would be super helpful for folks that are, who are in the political position of negotiating these things. So I don't know if anybody has a response or, or thoughts on that. Steve's right. I do have a, a response and I know we've talked about it before. Um, but if anybody else has a, a similar comment or thoughts on that. Colton Paley here. So Steve, what are you, are you proposing that we, actually line that out in the document that would recommend a certain mix to developers based on what we know now? I think it would recommend a certain mix to the uh, city so that they know what we're looking for. I mean, they need to be enabled to negotiate and to, to encourage 
the types of development that get us to the right mix, as opposed to what I think the plan does now is it basically says the city is not really that much involved in it other than zoning and so forth. And whatever the market does, the market's going to do. So if we end up with 80% bars, then we might just end up there. Um, so I think, I think I'm looking for a way for us to enable the city leaders to, to sort of execute the plan in their talks with people who are interested in developing. Nick, do you have like, is there like a pie chart or like a mix? Do you happen to know what the mix is between office and housing and retail? For an ideal downtown or for Lawrence or both? I mean, probably the ideal downtown. It's like, I don't know how you define that, but I'm, I'm curious what Lawrence is now. So we do, we do have that in the existing conditions report and I can pull up that number. I, I guess I'll say even before I pull that down, um, probably one of the most common questions we get asked when we do a downtown plan. And I can, I definitely understand where Steve is coming from. And I, I guess I feel like our, our response to that is that we provide what we call like primary or, or preferred uses in the downtown plan. So that's what's in each one of these functional sub areas where it's the uses that would be ideal in this area. It's not meant to say, if someone comes in and wants a convention center, um, we haven't identified anywhere I, I, ideally where a convention center would go, but that's such a unique use. It's almost like a unicorn type use that if it was to occur, there's a lot of other things that would already happen. So I don't think that discussion would be immediately dismissed. Um, so that that's more of my response to like the idea of a, a pretty significant use being a convention center, what it might be. The other aspect about what is like the ideal use um, or the ideal kind of pie chart for a community uh, downtown, uh, it just doesn't exist. And I wish it did. And I know I've said that before. If it did exist, we would we would use it. Um, but the reality is the things that make Lawrence unique um, or the use mix that works there would, would cripple another downtown just because of what draws in, you know, users in that area. So there's, there's not like a set, you need this much residential, you need this much commercial and you need this much office. It is an extremely flexible, uh, range for all these different downtowns. So I would like to maybe clarify Dalton. Uh, I think you used the word ideal. I, I was not looking for an ideal mix. I was actually looking for, a customized mix that made Lawrence, it was unique to Lawrence. You know, what should Lawrence do? Because this is a plan for us. We're not looking for an ideal plan for any city in the United States. And so I'm thinking the mix I was looking for, again, I was offering Nick the chance to give us some ranges as opposed to just give us a specific mix. But I think that that would be customized to our city. And well, I'm worried about the opportunity zones being, I, I understand Nick's point. I agree that it's, that isn't a plan that there are areas where there's some preferred uses, but over time, as the city commission tries to implement this plan, um, those uses aren't always going to occur on those sites. And so if we don't know what the overall mix is that we're shooting for, it's going to be pretty hard to sort of adjust once we don't accomplish those preferred mixes on some of those sites uh, in the first, you know, few years. And so I think a broader concept for the mix would be, uh, more, more implementable over time. Yeah. And again, I, I completely understand what Steve's asking for. I just, my brain unfortunately goes to a much more negative place about how that tool would be used. Um, if it was used appropriately, it would be an extremely effective tool. If it was, 
I'm trying to think of the right way to say that if it, it could be something where a great use comes to you, but because you've already hit your percentage, you won't even consider it. I feel like that is sort of going against the flexibility that you would want. So there's just a balance there. And I, I think that's where the the city commission, um, the city planners are going to need to be be flexible and kind of hear out the uses, but make sure that you're within these these ranges. So like in South Vermont, you're looking for public, semi-public, office, retail service. You're looking for a mix that you don't consistently um, you know, seek out just retail that you're looking for other things. Uh, but a number is just, I'm afraid people use that as their target, not as their, you know, guide, but. Nick, this, this is Steve Kelly, the chamber. I, I had a question kind of along the lines and, and a scenario as Steve is talking about, you know, if you did establish some sort of targeting, what ability or what process would need to be engaged in say five years, 10 years from now, if the world had changed and you determined that you needed a different mix, what process would one have to go through if, if this plan was in place to modify or make changes to that? Um, having not set up that ratio yet, I, I'm not even sure what, I'm not sure. That's a good question. I mean, that would be a potential pitfall from this is, I guess once you hit 100% of one of those targeted uses now you have to go out and start actively marketing the other uses within that otherwise you, you can't allow development if you were being ex- like a very s- strict interpretation sure. of it yeah. so I, i'm not we're not advocating for that i, I think that's i get what steve is I, I understand what he's asking i'm not sure that the ratio is how you get to it i think it's using this this plan along with you know, potential amendments to your zoning code that are guiding people to these uses in this area to get the mix that you're going for. This is Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. Two points that I wanted to make is every two years, the staff produces a retail market report. It's citywide, but it includes some good details on downtown, which actually studies the mix of uses, retail, office, residential, Um, downtown. And, um, you know, that's something where we could look at trends over time and see if we're getting way out of whack with what we've been at. But that would be a policy conversation at the city commission level. Um, But that's a good tool that we use to measure it um, and track it. Um, The second thing is just in general, in terms of the process, if we ever wanted to amend the downtown master plan, that would be an item at the city commission level. And so it it is possible. Plans aren't meant to be completely static for 20, 30 years. Um, Changes do happen. And so there is a process available for that. Okay. Let's let's move on to the next next comment. Um, Strongly advocate for the environment's requirement to be eliminated there is a eliminated, there is a reason, um, there's a reason state eliminated its requirement and the current rule is not well understood by the public. And then uh, these next couple are about the environs. Um, the environs rule hasn't stymied reinvestment, strongly encourage removal of recommendation, any specific recommendations for change to the ordinance. Uh, the plan is not a place to discuss the environs, no need to relax as much as detailed. Um, you know, not happy with the not so subtle claim also included in the plan that the historic environments reviews of proposed developments has stymied development downtown. Um, this is not just a hyperbolic statement. 
Uh, it's a huge red flag about the power developers have uh, come to exercise over our government and citizens alike. So again, I guess I probably shouldn't read these all in, in complete detail. I know you've had a chance to look at them, but these environs comments are somewhat consistent too with what we're, we see in the historic preservation section, which is coming up just below here. And so I think as we go through this, the, the question is how do we want to handle the way we're talking about the historic preservation uh, ordinance section on page 49. And I, I still think when we look at these, these three options, that these are options that should be considered as part of the downtown plan. Um, I think of all the, the topics here that we need to address, this is one that this group definitely needs to come, uh, come to some sort of consensus on, provide us some guidance about how this plan needs to be talking about it. And so Nick, I think um, one of those comments is mine from the last meeting. I think it's probably maybe more strongly worded than maybe I said it, but I wanted to sort of maybe overlay. I've talked to a number of folks in the preservation community about this and um, I think I understand their viewpoints a little bit better. I, I think in the end, I wouldn't advocate for the removal of the environs requirement. I think I would advocate for, the, for a review of, of those requirements. And I think the way that you set it in the plan is both open-ended, it has a number of different options, and I think it's pretty implemental. It does allow us to, to discuss it later. So I would, I would propose that we leave what you said in there with the, with the notion that, you know, the people who came to me who, who were at the other end of the scale, who had had problems with their, their trying to get things developed, you know, these weren't developers that were talking to me in the last few weeks. These were people who live, work, own buildings in downtown. They're business owners. Um, they, they're either trying to improve their life through their business. They're trying to improve their business through their environment and through making the experience of their shoppers or their patrons better. Uh, they're only trying to improve on, uh, on their, their condition. And I think if we could reevaluate how, um, how it's done and your three options are fine, I'm sure if we reevaluate re it, we may add more to the table. I'd like that conversation to still be um, requested in the master plan because I think I think if we could change the tone so that um, so that it's not seeking permission and having it be denied, but that the HRC and the and the folks at the city are helping the people who are trying to improve their conditions, I think that would be a really nice tone and. Um, I don't think we're that far off, but I think everybody here would want that. So uh, I do, I do retract that one statement that says I would want to eliminate the environs requirement because I understand it has some good qualities as well. So, so it's Matt here. Uh, thank you for that, Steve. I appreciate the the open open minded approach. Um, I. I guess my concern about page 49 is that it seems completely out of character with the rest of the document, uh, particularly the, the assertion that historic preservation, or at least this portion of historic preservation has stymied reinvestment. That's a really negative statement uh, about historic preservation when in fact, uh, in my, you know, my, my view, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum as you, Steve, from you, Steve, but, um, 
I mean, we don't have a downtown like it's a destination like what we have right now without the historic preservation effort of the last 25 or 30 years. Um, you know, our, our ordinance went into effect in 1988 and it has, it has done its job. It has, it has made sure that we've maintained that historic fabric. And so th this, this page kind of in, impugns historic preservation in a way that I think is inappropriate. Uh, and the three very specific in the weeds recommendations for code changes, uh, and that's what they are. They are code changes. Um, I don't, I just, it just seems out of character for the rest of this document. And so I'm going to, I'm going to put into the, uh, into the chat here, a markup of a proposed change to um, page 49. And I'm going to let people have a look at it. And uh Let's see, how do I do that? I can't put it, I can't put a file up there, Amy. No, unfortunately, I don't believe that you can. Um, but you can, yeah, you can in other versions of Zoom, but you're you're not allowing that. That's fine. Yes. So, I, I think we had to disallow that because of all the Zoom bombing we've had. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. It's crazy out there. So um, so what I'm proposing. Uh, is to strike everything in column two. I, I just don't think that language fits with the overall document, uh, the overall tone of the document and the overall level of, of specificity in the area of policy with the rest of the document. And then I will, I will copy and paste my, the proposed additional language that I wanted, uh, that I would like to propose be included to indicate that the historic preservation ordinance is currently under review. It needs to be reviewed, it needs to be updated, and it needs to reflect um, the fact that um, the world has changed since 1998 or 1988, and that it does need to be more accommodating of the challenges of balancing historic preservation and development. Uh, rather, and that's exactly what we've done on the uh, the update to the design guidelines, which also needs to occur. But those were last updated in 2008. These are much older, and so this, to me, this is a much more uh, a less, uh, you know, a much more um, kind of I don't know positive statement about the role of historic preservation and the needs to kind of um, modify some things to meet the modern age. So you, you can look at that language there. So that's, that's my proposal. And if we need to, then I would, I would go ahead and, and uh, actually make that as a, make that a motion and ask for a vote. I second that. And I am Pam Blackburn of Elna. That wrong order. Matt, is there any way to uh, agree to modify that language a little bit to make the uh, process of the um, of the reconsidering or revising the order ordinance to be um, open to folks who are uh, including the folks who are interested in developing their own properties downtown and improving downtown in some fashion to make it make it be uh, an open conversation well, I guess I would, you know, I served on the commission for nine years, Steve, and it, it felt like uh, an open conversation to me. And uh, every time somebody came before us, and in most cases, I felt like we came out the other end with a better project. So 
I guess I just, uh, the premise of your statement is something that I don't really agree with, uh, but I am certainly open to, to, to changing that language in some way that you feel would, uh, would be, make it so that people would, would be less intimidated by the process. Yeah, I, I would agree with Steve too, just because I think that it just makes, you know, the project more transparent about what that process is. So everyone can sort of understand like exactly how the environs work and what the value of them is and why these historic codes are in place and then update that, you know, because it, it, it opens the conversation, I think. And I think that part's important in a document like this. Sure. So what, what, do, what do you think? What kind of, what would you like to see in there? Well, hold on. I guess um, it sounds like that's a part of a separate, I guess, Matt, am I, am I correct in saying, or correct understanding you're saying, you know, as, as this project, the historic preservation ordinance is already being updated. Are you, are you asking Dalton what should happen in that update? Or are you asking what should be said in this downtown plan? Just want to make sure I'm clear on what we're doing. Well, I, I was hearing from Steve and Dalton, some, some, some insertion of language in what I said that, uh, or what I've proposed here okay. <clears throat> to include in this plan. Uh, but if there's some, if this, if it's like just an additional statement about how the, how the, um, the ordinance should be revised. I, I just, I'm not. I actually, I'm not quite sure what we're what we're trying to achieve here. Um, Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. If I could suggest something, I've been trying to listen and, and take all this into account. And using Matt's language, but amending that third sentence: the city, comma, the Historic Resources Commission, comma, and all stakeholders. Sure. Um, that'd be that'd be great. In fact, I almost had something like that. I was going to use the word the public, but stakeholders is better. To recognize that there is more more people involved than just the city capitalized and yeah. the Historic Resources Commission, that there'll be public engagement, and we'll hear from all. Steve, does that help? I think it does help, and I understand Matt's uh, position on this. I guess. I would want the outcome of whatever language goes in here for the, I mean, when you say current initiative, it sounds like you guys are already doing it, right? And so I'm, I'm just thinking, I would like the environs on the table for a conversation. And so striking it from the document, in my mind, is fine if you think that's too specific. But when it happens, I would like the downtown design guidelines, the environs, and uh, the HRC's role and all that to be to be part of the conversation. And I'm not implying that I would go after the environs or any of that sort of stuff, but I, but I want to make sure that that it is an open process that considers things in, a, in the broadest, broadest sense, because I think that would help the many people who have talked to me about the issues that they've had with the HRC. And, and I appreciate, Matt, that you you found all those to be good conversations, but you know, you are on the regulatory side of things, right? And so I think, I think it would be helpful for that conversation to surface in, in, in a public, public setting. Um, so I think Amy's, Amy's suggestion is close for me at least, but I would like those, I would like it to be that broad a conversation when it happens, not just a, not just a niddling around with uh, with a few parts of the language of the current ordinance, I guess. Well, I guess part of my my objection to the the way this was being presented before is the fact that 
that process will be fully transparent and in, include all stakeholders, including those outside of downtown Lawrence. The environs applies to all of Lawrence, not just the downtown. And so and it's played a, a very important role in maintaining historic fabric, historic neighborhoods throughout our city. So uh, yes, I, I completely agree with what you said, Steve. It needs to be transparent. The environs needs to be part of the discussion. Uh, you know, a lot of the issues around environs just is, is a matter of, of uh, people not understanding how it works, you know, and I mean, we could have long discussions about what environs reviews are and what they should be. Um, but I, I don't disagree that the current code needs to be updated on within for environs review purposes. It can be kind of confusing. I'm not sure how you, how you <clears throat> encapsulate that in a statement for this plan, though. Yeah, like I do, I do feel it is the responsibility of a downtown plan to say for something like this, these types of regulations that updates are needed. Um, and I don't, I, I guess I don't personally think it's outside of the realm of what we're talking about to, to even identify some of those potential revisions, but they're just potential revisions. We know that a, a completely different study is happening um, to actually make those amendments or make those, those requirement changes. So I guess if there's a balance somewhere in there, I mean, enough, enough feedback was collected during this, this process from the community, not, not just from developers um, and not just from historic preservation um, community members, but, but from the public where it, it's just a perception that's out there as well. So I think we're just trying to capture that in this well, section. I can see the, where the, what's, what's the perception. I'm sorry, well, but well, hold on. And I was gonna say, I can see that there's a tone issue. I, I agree with you. And I agree with many of the comments that are in here where I think it just, it comes off more combative than it needed to. It was more of just stating um, some other options that are out there. It's not saying that these must be done. It's just a consideration about what could be done, what changes could be made. Um, and again, that's still going to be left up to the HRC or left up to, you know, as Amy had said, the HRC stakeholders um, and those that would adopt those amendments down the line to make those choices. I guess what I'm reacting to is the, the, the discussion of the design guidelines is a very generic one and, and makes statements about how certain, you know, perhaps they need to be more, a little bit more inclusive of different styles and things like that. But it didn't go in and say, well, we need to, to not have that, you know, a specific sign guideline or something like that. It, this, this drills down into, into the, you know, it's a very long ordinance and it goes down into very specific things. Uh, in language that is really actually really hard to parse, you know, one, two, and three are not that, that easy to even understand what you're trying to say there. So um, that's what I'm reacting to. And that's why I'd like to see that language stricken from the document. So Amy Miller, assistant planning and development services director, I'm going to try one more time with another revision. Um, I am going, this is revising the third sentence in what is Matt is suggesting. I'm going to revise it again and therefore read the whole thing. The city historic resources commission and all stakeholders should complete the current initiative to comprehensively consider and revise the ordinance to better accommodate contemporary challenges when balancing historic preservation and development. Just a suggestion. I can live with it. Steve, did that help again? 
I don't know. I'm still caught up on the language that says there's a current initiative that isn't addressed in the master plan and we're not, I'm not aware of what the current initiative is. So always referencing that is, I don't know. I mean, so chapter 22, the local preservation ordinance is in the works to be revised. It is listed on the planning work program. Um, and those, the back on the back end on those revisions has already started at a staff level. The pandemic has slowed us down, created some challenges, but it's already in the works to revise chapter 22. So isn't it, isn't it legitimate to reference that? I mean, that was part of what I was trying to, you know, wanting to make clear is that this isn't, this is something that has already been under, under discussion. And I completely understand that we want to have a full public airing of all of these things. Yeah, I think that's the question is, is who's it's under discussion with right now? Has there been any public conversation no. about it? No, but it, that's because it's at the staff level and then it will it will have to go through. I mean, it has to make it all the way to, through the city commission. We're changing an ordinance. So should we include in the language the fact that it's going on? Like there is current, you know, there is a current revision or analysis going on and that's why I said it was, a, that it was a current initiative. That's, that's why well, I said that. But I mean, I, I think if we are looking at this document to be used for the, by, by and for the public, that being very explicit and very, you know, very basic lay language. And just to say a current initiative, I mean, just literally to use the verbs, I mean, the, the, the nouns, um, because there are some, there are some comments, you know, sprinkled throughout this document about jargon, you know, and I, I don't necessarily think, you know, some of what the complaints are is are jargon, but I do think if our goal is to make it transparent, just spell it out that this is going on. That's what I did, Sally. It says it's a current initiative to revise the ordinance. This is Brady Flannery Weavers. I'm the, the layman when it comes to this, although I am representing uh, downtown property owners. And being the layman and listening to both sides and reading what's here, it seems like we're a lot closer in, in agreement with what's going on or the, or the process. Um, and, and a lot could just kind of be wordsmith a little bit. And we love the idea of balance, transparency, and the inclusion of stakeholders. Um, you know, Nick, I don't know if, uh, I mean, you mentioned that, um, you could clean up the wording, is, is, but I do think it's important. I mean, this is a, this is a sticky issue. So, uh, the fact that, you know, no side should probably come out thrilled with the language in this. It should, um, reflect that we're trying to find a balance that we're trying to, you know, kind of accomplish all these things. We're all on the same page for, but uh, Nick, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think taking the language that Matt has drafted um, using the sort of wordsmithing that, that Amy's added to it. And then I, I don't even know if we have additions to that, that we would need to make could be incorporated into this. And um, this could also be an issue that we take to the city commission. I mean, I, of all of all the comments received, this is probably in collection between the code, the environs, um, and historic preservation made up a 
a, a pretty high number of the comments that we, we really don't even need to go. I mean, we can go through all these, but it's all about the same thing here. Um, and so I think it's a, it's kind of to your point, Brady, it's a tough issue. Not everybody's going to agree. I, we don't expect everyone to agree. I'd like to get somewhere closer to the middle and acknowledge the fact that it is a tough issue. And, and the fact that there's already current work being done um, kind of makes it or kind of proves the point that it needs to be addressed. And we could leave it at that. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I mean, I, I think Brady Flannery Weavers, um, you know, I, I think you are the outside consultants and this is kind of a good time to call us out on something that, and to Matt's point, uh, I'm thrilled it's in process and at staff level right now. But if we went through this document and then updated it with everything that's currently going on um, and at staff level or commission, I think we'd have a lot more time to, to pour into the document. Well, and I guess um, from a tone standpoint, I appreciate Matt's reaction to the page, but I would, I would almost rather leave it in there to make sure that people pay attention to, to the importance of the issues than to sort of water it down to some, hey, we're already doing this, so everything's going to be okay. I really think, you know, if, if Amy had said, sorry, Steve Clark, architect, if Amy had said, um, it's, it's underway. And by the way, we've already started public comment, even at a staff level, because we want to hear what all the stakeholders are saying as we work on it. That would have made me feel better than, than uh, you know, sort of the way Matt's been characterizing it. And so I think, I think for me, I would just err on the side of, of not watering it down if, because we're not going to design the process here in this meeting, right? So we, we can't really do that. Right. So we got to come up with something. And I think, um, I would maybe I would maybe agree to changing the initial language in the in the introduction that talks about stymieing growth and some of those things. I, I think Matt is is right. Maybe that's some of that's unnecessary, but I, I do think it's a serious thing that needs to be addressed. And and if we water down what we say about it, that makes it kind of seem less important then then I probably wouldn't support that. I guess, um, boy, I don't want to spend our whole time on this, but we could. Uh, so I just, I want to, to, to kind of Amy's point, maybe put a pin in this here pretty soon. But Matt, if we were to kind of like what Steve just said and some of the language that Amy provided, um, definitely removing some of the more, just remove the tone. I, I think maybe like a negative tone that lives in this text um, and even removing some of the more specific, if it's specific recommendations, but still identifying the fact that it is an important issue and people feel very strongly one way or another. And whether, whether the revisions you're currently making are um, incorporated soon and, and made public and everybody can talk about, it is an issue that needs to be addressed. Yeah. I have, I have no problem. If you, if they want, if you want some sort of a statement in there that the, that um, well, number one, that it needs to be a fully transparent process with all the stakeholders involved. I mean, you know, that's how it's going to go anyway. Um, but if you want to say that, that's fine. And I have no problem saying that the environs um, need the, the environs portion of the ordinance should be carefully considered. I'm fine with that. I would never support those three statements. So okay. you'll just, I just, you know, I won't support this whole document if those three statements are there. I so agree how, with that's, Matt. That's how strongly I feel about that. Because nowhere in those three statements does it, to me, there's no positive statement in here that historic 
preservation ordinance as any good at all. These are all negative statements. I, you, go ahead, I'm sorry. I also agree with Matt. I would prefer to see uh, Matt's version adopted with those revisions to include stakeholders and would generally disagree that this level of specificity is needed to ensure the work is done because there are other extremely important issues that are essential to our downtown thriving, like racial equity, which have no full page or specificity in this document. So maybe leaving this open-ended acknowledges that this is a contentious issue that needs to find specificity outside of this more generic guiding document. That's all. Thanks. Oh, Meredith Moore, downtown business member at large. Thanks, Meredith. Amy Miller, um, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. Um, I, I think what, I, what I'm hearing from everybody is Matt's language is good. It maybe doesn't go quite far enough. And if you're going to get rid of the three specific recommendations, what if the consultant could wordsmith at the end of Matt's language something about the update and revision should carefully consider all aspects of the local historic preservation ordinance, including environs, administrative versus full commission reviews, et cetera. Um, what about that addition? It'd probably be fine. Depends on what the actual words are. I mean, but yeah, but I also, think that's fine. I would also say that that's a good addition too. I, I think uh, in addition, Matt, you probably would agree here too that when the when the initial language is revised to remove some of the more critical elements like the stymie development kind of thing, I do still uh, hope that it could say something like, this is one of the, the most uh, talked about issues when we were developing the master plan. It's really important. It's something that the city ought to put a lot of effort towards resolving in a, in a public fashion. Uh, you know, just to show that its importance is there uh, for everybody involved uh, from every perspective. Sure. I agree. I do agree with that, by the way. I don't, we don't say that here. I think it's important to state that it is probably one of the most talked about issues. Um, I mean, no matter what side you're on, it's, it's a really important issue. So I think that's something that should kick off this section. I also agree with what Meredith said. Um, I mean, there's plenty of plans that we've worked on where we get to this level of specificity. I don't think here it's it's one of your, not that it's not an issue, but it's an issue that's already being worked on outside of this document. So I think there's other things that this plan should put focus on. So to try to get us to consensus here, I'm gonna ask a couple of questions. Is there anyone that wants to leave the language as is in total? I'm closer to this Brady Flannery Weavers. Um, I'm closer to that um, persuasion, but I, I'm open. I'm not going to be stubborn on it. Again, this is a document that no one's supposed to. I mean, we have business that is listed uh, with a suggestion and, you know, might not be or might be someone, something we want to consider in the future. You know, we're, we're not going to get into some of that stuff. I mean, I don't think this is where someone gets a win on either side. And as a layperson reading it, um, I don't see 
a lot of the, in, in talking to many, many people. Um, but if we can come to a compromise, I'd support a compromise. Uh, Oh, go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Edith. Uh, this is Edith Guffey, member at large. And um, I was leaning toward leaving voting to leave it as it is, um, only because um, I don't want to give the impression that it's the, the historic preservation is the piece that overrides everything. And I kind of get that impression at the cost of anything else is the historic preservation. And, um, and that that disturbs me. But if we can reach a compromise that says um, there are other things to be considered here. Um, as we look at the big pictures, everybody has to give something. Would it be possible to type up in the chat box what our current proposed compromise is just to confirm so we can see it visually? Yeah, Amy, do you want us to send sort of our initial take at it to you yeah. and you can punch uh, it up with your text? Jackie, uh, why don't you email that to Amy? I'll send it directly to Kyle uh, through the chat. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, that would be appreciated. So just to clarify for everybody, Kyle's got the keyboard. So yeah. I've had him had to do some chat things. I have to send it to him and then he has to retype it, unfortunately. So if you can send it directly to Kyle in the chat, that would be great. Or, I mean, if, if the intent is for it to, okay, there, never mind. Sorry. Kyle kept with planning. Forget, forget the sentence fragment I started with. So while Kyle's working on that intake, the, again, I, I would say the majority of these comments are, are really all within line with what we just talked about. Um, the only other thing that we didn't talk about specifically, and maybe now we don't need to talk about it all, are the historic tax credit programs. I, I think, again, maybe that's getting too specific, um, but it was something that a couple people had stated is, you know, we should be talking about it. So is there a place to talk about the uh, historic tax credit program? You might be shocked to know that I have something prepared for that too. Um, I had one sentence. If you if you want to go to that facade enhancement page, page yes. uh, forty four. Yep. Um, so I wanted. To, I was suggesting, and I don't feel nearly as strongly about this one. Uh, just that it's a very important program and. Um, I just, uh, so I had a sentence that says that would go last paragraph. Um, it would go after the section that says um, to property owners who make facade improvements that restore the historic appearance of the building or comply with established design guidelines, period. And then I wanted, I was gonna suggest a sentence that said, the city should promote the availability of state and federal historic preservation tax credits to encourage facade restoration or enhancement. Just to, because it's such a, an important program and, and it's, um, it's kind of alluded to um, in the sentence before, but this, this would just call it out specifically. So I'll throw it out there. I don't, um, you know, after the discussion of the last issue, this seems like a, like kind of a minor one. 
I, still one that, still one that was brought up a couple times. I think that sentence in addition here is a little bit more explicit about what we're talking about. So I think that's a good add. All right, I'll drop it into the com or into the chat just to. This is Sally Zagrai from Downtown Lawrence Inc. Um, I agree with what Matt said. I think it's important to put it because it was brought up several in several different types of meetings as well. And um, it is an existing program. And that also speaks to funding sources that we talk about at the very end of the document. And um, that would be something that the city doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to happen on the city's dime because there's a yeah, great program. There are other ways to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. a lot easier that was easier yeah mm. thanks matt <laughs> so um okay well and i think once we get once we're able to post where we're at i i feel like we're very close to being on the same page with the historic, uh, historic preservation page on page 49 uh so that really that really captures the comments that we had related to historic preservation environs in the code as it relates to historic preservation steve i'm sorry go ahead well i just think that the, as i mentioned earlier that Everything I said about the preamble, though, is not included in that statement. So the, the removal of the stymie language and replacing that with something about the importance of it being a big issue in, in, in the master plan, I think this is really important preamble to this paragraph that we're looking at. And, and I, would, I would feel more comfortable with this paragraph if it didn't say that, if it didn't state uh, specifically that the ordinance has been really effective at preserving the character and has allowed compatible modernization built environment because that's an evaluation that I don't think that you all did as planners. And I think that's actually at the crux of the issue with people who have a problem with the way it's executed, maybe not with the ordinance, but at least the way it's executed that they actually don't feel that it has allowed compatible modernization built environment. That's actually the, the point. Um, so I think to make that evaluation uh, as part of the statement in here is is just as akin to saying that it's stymied development you know it's just saying it the other way um so i think i think if the preamble could could be in there uh that we talked about that says how important it is and how that's an important item that there's a lot of conversation about and then if you could just strike that one sentence i'd support it i'd be curious how what other people think about that whether they feel like I mean, I, I can live with that, but um, I mean. This is Emily Peterson. If I can jump in, I'm a business member at large. I agree um, with the conversation that's been had and, and the comments Steve just made. I also wanted to add another point, and I just took the liberty of revising the language and putting it in the chat for the sake of discussion. Um, I think the environs have been such a big part of the discussion, but also the design review process. Um, as I talked to people about this issue, I got a lot of feedback on that being a cumbersome, burdensome process that could stand to be improved. So I'd like that captured, um, if that sentiment is agreed upon. Sorry, I'm reading Emily's statement as well. Um, what I don't please let's not all copy this and start words for this. I agree with what Emily just wrote here. I don't know if everybody, if we have an issue with it, what I don't want is like 10 more paragraphs in here. Um, 
I would support this paragraph with the preamble that I asked for before. Okay. Matt, do you feel you and, and maybe some of the representatives that you know that are out there or you as a representative, would they support this paragraph with a preamble that removes a lot of the maybe tone issues and the stymied language, that type of thing? Sure. Um, I, th I mean, I think what Steve's asking for is a preamble and then, and then the removal of the kind of the affirmative statement of historic preservation, um, that sentence. Um, so is that, so with the preamble, Steve is, um, is more of a, this is an important issue kind of preamble. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, I think I think the, the the removal of the language is is captured in Emily's Emily's statement, and so I I think the preamble was both trying to achieve what you were concerned about, which was the negative tone about the stymieing development and that sort of thing, but also mm -hmm. gaining what I wanted, which was to say this is a huge issue for our community and deserves a lot of city and community attention to to get it in the right spot. I guess. Mm -hmm. is, the only preamble that I wanted. And I was thinking that would work for, for all of us. Yeah, no, I, I'm okay with that. Okay. So we're basically adding a sentence or two that might just say, this is a very important issue. It's something we heard a lot about throughout the development of this plan. Um, next paragraph, the historic preservation ordinance has not been updated since. And it would be that, that paragraph. So I'm, for, I'm looking, I see a lot of head nods, so I'm going to, so I'm going to assume we're on the same page. Okay, I'm great. Seeing, I'm seeing a lot of head nods. I just want to clarify because we actually do have a motion and a second on the table Oh. Um, from earlier. And so if Matt and Pam wanted to rescind that and we wanted to do head nod consensus, I'd be okay with that. So how does, I can rescind it. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to rescind it if that's the proper parliamentary procedure. And Pam would need and, to rescind her second. And, <clears throat> and this is Pam Blackburn from Elna, and I rescind my second. So with all these changes, just to clear in my mind, the text that goes with one, two, and three are no longer on this page. Correct. Okay. The, the okay. second column on this page is replaced by the preamble plus Emily Peterson, what she wrote in the chat. Yeah. Okay. So this, this is all gone. This remains. So the, the first paragraph is more really just a factual statement of what it is. Mm -hmm. is. Is there anyone that's majorly opposed to that? If not, we're going to move on. All right. I'm hearing nothing. Thanks. Thank you, Matt and Pamela. Oh, thank you, Steve. It was a good, good conversation. Yeah, thanks, everyone. I'm, I'm glad we were able to get to consensus. That's great. I didn't think it was possible. I honestly, I'm, I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm glad we got there. Um, all right, I'm going to take us back. Um, all right. So the next question or the next statement came from a uh, committee member world has changed since the beginning of the planning process. And if the plan invitation is going to be incremental, I don't see how any of the change will make downtown more equitable or inclusive. 
So in terms of how we incorporate that into this plan or into this document, are there thoughts or considerations from the group on what, what needs to be in this plan for it to support more equitable and, and inclusive results? I do believe it would be meaningful to include a subsection of the document that directly addresses this issue since I think in my review, I only came across um, suggestions or initiatives that would directly address inclusivity and equity um, in the front matter that's kind of blue sky thinking about having a um, incubator downtown for um, launching businesses owned by women and minority uh, entrepreneurs. So perhaps this could just become a section in the document to make it unmissable. Does anybody else have thoughts on that? And, and maybe specifically what some of those re recommendations might be? Um, this is Sally Zagra with Downtown Lawrence Inc. I want to agree with what um, Meredith has just said and, and also um, to support what Edith had said just a little while ago. Um, and actually reference back to something that Brady said in our last meeting, which was, you know, like the first 15 pages where we talk about the vision and all of that is, is where this, among some other things, um, where they reside, these, these kinds of issues, and then we don't really see them anywhere else. So can we also include, um, so when we talk about an incubator and when we talk about like a facade incentive program, can we, is there possible to have um, mention of some kind of a um, incentive or um, some kind of an incentive program for um, business owners, minority business owners, BIPOC business owners? Um, and to, um, we actually had this conversation in one of our, in our um, evening uh, feedback session on the master plan that DLI held and Amy was not able to attend, but we had actually um, someone who's a, a city commission candidate talk about, um, you know, is there a way to um, address, you know, Mass Street is is seen as being, you know, the, the top of the heap um, and how do we make, how do we make it more attainable, but also how do we, how do we make the side streets more um, appealing and more viable and more vibrant. And are those places, are, are, are spaces on those streets, you know, areas that could be um, incubators for this type of a small business incentive program? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, something that says we're intentionally, um, we have some intentionality about reaching out and making downtown more culturally diverse, that it's not just going to happen. Okay. Yeah, I'm, try I'm just trying to think in that section what those plan recommendations will be. Maybe this is something our team would just need to work on. 
Yeah, downtown Lawrence has been talking about who who had that DEI committee working. Was that downtown Lawrence? I was on. I've been in so so many of these tables. <laughs> I can't remember who it was. Sorry. Uh, no, Edith, this is Sally Zagra with Downtown Lawrence. It wasn't us. It'd be great if it were, but we have, oh, Food Policy Council says Emily Lyson in the chat. The Food Policy Council did. No. Anyway. So, oh, my email. This is Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. I have been reminded that people watching on YouTube cannot view the chat. So please try and limit what you're putting in the chat. And if we do put anything in the chat, I will need to read it out loud. Thank you. Okay. Perhaps that strategic investment page would be the point before this could be inserted since um, I think this would be the best strategy to move forward with downtown is to put people and especially a wider group of people at the center of our strategic investment. Um, not just thinking about the buildings, but all the people who should be using them and benefiting from them, creating livelihoods through them. Yeah, I mean, if part of the strategic investment here, and maybe, and maybe strategic investment isn't the best term. Uh, we could think of something different there, but you know, if these three photos, um, these three photos here on page forty-two were to go away, or be maybe there's like an additional column here. Are there? Is there like a, a a couple of paragraphs here that we could provide with some specifics on how to address? Um, equitable or inclusive approaches in the downtown. And then I, I, again, I don't know if that means strategic investments is the wrong word, um, but that's something that we could, our team could work on. Right. It okay. can be the whole section following this one. <laughs> it could be. Um, well, I, I don't have a lot of specifics, but I agree with Meredith that I think, I think for our town, having this topic have more airtime and more visibility in the master plan would be perfectly appropriate. Okay. Yeah. And this is Sally Zakari again with Downtown Lawrence Inc. And, um, you know, one thing to think about, and I, and I don't know if you, Nick, have examples from other communities with which you've worked um, on on initiatives or programs like this, but you know, when we, if you think historically, um, the our lot, parking lot three, our surface lot, which is on uh, Vermont between Eighth and Ninth Street, that was actually a block of Black-owned businesses until it was raised to make that parking lot, and so um, we actually have a historic photograph, the Watkins of those businesses an overhead of that. And so maybe that is an idea of like, you know, we need to, we need to come full circle and get back to where m more people have a, a, a real stake and a, a permanent place downtown. They're not just coming through. Okay. Uh, this is Sarah with Bowersock, and I just want to say I support the conversation at hand, and I like the idea of putting it in this strategic investment area as like an overlay of the document. Um, and 
I agree. It might not. I mean, it is investment. It's strategic investment in the physical plant, but also humans. So, I mean, we're investing in people and the place. So I, I, I think you probably could stick with it, but just have like strategic investment in, you know, something sexier than physical plant um, and then people, you know, so places and people or something like that. All right. I, we definitely, I definitely get the intent. Um, I don't have a, a, a solution on, on the call right now, but this is something that we can work through and provide um, what I'm going to call a section at this point, kind of lack of a better word. And we'll, we'll figure, we'll figure that out, incorporate it and, and go from there. I don't want to put this in the chat. It was the Lawrence Chamber. Oh, thank you. You did. Thank you. Um, okay. Um, the next comment was just saying, not the master plan's responsibility to say what strategies are that make downtown more inclusive, but we can't adopt the master plan. It doesn't indicate. So again, this is very much just talking about like the lens here about what, what we want to talk about with this issue. So I think both of these will be captured by how we address this. Um, the next comment on page 28, sixth and mass, could the 600 Rhode Island surface par uh, parking and possibly the Midco property be used for the farmer's market? We did identify, um, oh, I'll go to that, sorry. We identified a couple of different locations. We didn't list it on page 28 about different locations for a farmer's market. I don't know if those are two locations that this group feels is where a farmer's market should be located. Nick, the, uh, there is a current USDA grant uh, that includes finding a permanent location for the farmer's market. So I think some of these comments are sort of distracted only because you picked a couple of locations. I think it's fine for you to suggest locations. But I do think the language in the farmer's market section is um, it, it uses the word could. This could happen and this could happen. And I, I really think that if this committee agrees, we ought to just say that the master plan says that there ought to be a permanent location for the farmer's market. And uh, Matt's going to love this. Uh, we could say that it's underway as part of a, as part of a grant. Yeah. But, uh, but, uh, but I think, I think the language in that farmer's market section, uh, again, if people agree, could just simply say that it would be an important uh, thing to have happen or it would be of great value to the downtown to have a permanent location with the farmer's market in this area. Does anybody disagree with that? I mean, I, it's, I can't, we can't say must or, sh you know, shall, but we can certainly get a little bit stronger with the language about incorporating a permanent downtown space. I'm seeing a lot of head nodding. Okay. All right. Great. Thank you. Um, I'm just reading the next, the next comment, perhaps a broader view, the main floor contain the farmer's market and have some semi-permanent areas. It could be a city market, more housing should be part of the upper floors. Oh, this was getting more specific to some of the buildings around it. Um, and then talking about the city market, this email, I recall this, this had a lot of different issues in one. So that might be a little convoluted to understand, but where they talked about the farmer's market, I think just kind of to what Steve just said, 
um, were pretty general in nature in terms of identifying the fact that there needs to be a farmer's market and then the locations. So we should be good. Um, the downtown, someone just uh, said no food trucks downtown. I'm not even sure the plan identified food trucks. I, I don't recall seeing that. Um, but just as a general statement, I don't know if anybody felt otherwise and it wasn't an issue that we had, we had addressed so directly. This is Sally Zagra. It shouldn't be an issue because they're already not allowed by ordinance yeah. downtown. So, Yeah. And we don't encourage them to be in downtown. Okay. Um, page 100, talking about gateways. Uh, please keep these gateway signs out of East Lawrence. Lawrence is not that big of a town to need this type of signage, unmistakably inappropriate. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting because at the beginning of this project and really throughout the project, it seemed really important to incorporate North Lawrence into the downtown Lawrence plan. Um, this comment seems to, or this person seems to feel otherwise. Uh, so we did. Oh. Different group. You're talking North Lawrence. This is East Lawrence, which is oh, I like said East. I on apologize. top of downtown. Yeah. So that's coming from this direction. And these aren't, these aren't like the big wide over the parkway type gateway signs. Um, these were meant to be more, you can kind of see where we're talking. This would be your major gateway feature. These would be smaller scale gateway features. That's not maybe clearly indicated in the legend. So that's something we can say too. It's more of a scale issue, but these weren't meant to be, you know, something that's like over a street or taking up a large area. They'd be more like signage, like wayfinding. Okay. But that would be an update. We need to make that update in the plan. But having smaller gateway signs at those roads when you're entering into the downtown, do we, we all agree that that is something we do want to see? Kind of announcing your entrance into the downtown. I'd like to see those if they were wayfinding signs toward parking. To include parking as well? Well, if they say like parking that way. Yes. Yeah, and I think now that I'm even looking at this, because we talk a lot about the wayfinding signs over here, and that that's more of the scale and the character of what we're talking about for these darker blue. As I'm looking at that legend, I think that's just somewhat misleading, calling them gateways. So that's just a mistake, if anything. Agreed? I think they're helpful. Oh. Yeah, I think they're helpful. Not everybody lives here. And so oh, people yeah. come to town trying to find their way around. They are very helpful. Yeah. Okay. I think we agree. It sounds like we all agree here. Um, on page 74, many of the public spaces in downtown are relatively underutilized and efforts should be made to beautify, highlight, and encourage more use of these spaces to enhance people's downtown experience. This section is written so passively without any recommendation to consider highlighting these areas, um, possibly considering parklet development in some. And, and we do have a section on parklets later on. Oops, sorry that talks about those in, in more detail. This is just talking about some of the larger scale, public, uh, just public spaces. So again, this is one where um, I, I don't think we're writing passively about providing recommendations, the recommendations for like parklets and some of these types of improvements are in other sections though. So there could be a cross-reference added here. Thoughts? My recommendation would be to add a cross-reference to where this is being addressed. Okay. Okay. Um, page 105. 
Nope. It's not that long. Not a hundred thousand. Um, the pocket park. So on page 105, the map with proposed pocket park location provides insufficient information information to inform readers of the proposed location or rationale for their choice. The idea here, and, and I can understand the, the comment there, but the idea here isn't to identify specifically where a pocket park must be. It is more in general where a pocket park um, would be appropriate just for giving people an opportunity for a pause or a space. So as improvements or redevelopments occur, um, or it's just some of the concepts that we talk about with the park lid or how you're utilizing the, the sidewalks just to be thinking about these are locations that are sort of deficient in those types of spaces. Um, again, maybe that's something that needs to be a little bit more clear in the text, but I wouldn't go as far as to say specifically on this parcel is where a pocket park needs to occur. I think that's getting a little bit too specific on what should and shouldn't happen on private property. I don't know if anybody has thoughts. Brady Flannery, uh, in general, I think we should stay away from getting specific about what happens on private property or in front of near. Um... Okay. Um. So then just talking about some of the, the building heights in general, I think there were a few instances where just understanding how the heights are being applied, there was some confusion. Um, kind of going back to the to the previous plan, there was a transition from how building heights are occurring, both in how redevelopment has occurred and then just, just practically uh, not changing, you know, mass streets built form significantly. There's an opportunity that the parcels that directly front um, so along Vermont and New Hampshire for uh, building development on those sides could could be a little bit taller. And then you have a step down that goes into mastery, but you also have a step down as the transitions um, into the residential neighborhoods. Something that we did here through quite a bit of the, the outreach is there's a concern or a desire to see a step down in height. So if you're on here, I can go to these pages. You know, so if you're on New Hampshire, if you're on the the east side of the road, the building height should start to step down as it gets closer to the residential neighborhood. If you're on the west side of the road on New Hampshire, the building heights could be a bit higher. So I think that was the intent here. Um, our thought was to just go through here and and make that a little bit more clear on what we're trying to do. I know that language is in there, but we could just highlight it a little bit more. So that concept is is just more understood, I guess. Any thoughts on on that approach? I think that intent, if you clarified it, would be good. Okay. So we'll, and make we'll, sure it's consistent between what's talk, what we all think about, which is around Seventh and Eighth Street, and <clears throat> excuse me, and what you said about Tenth to Eleventh. Okay. Yeah. So I think just a, a consistency check throughout this whole document is something that we'll do with the heights just to make sure that we're, we're all on the same page and getting towards what we're trying to get towards or to. Nick, this is Brady Flannery. And I'd appreciate if it's kind of stayed general, you know, this was part of your thought process that you heard feedback about a step down um, ex instead of, you know, really limiting a business to um, two, three or, or a potential development to two, three stories 
so if just kind of walking through your thought process or writing that out instead of being too specific, there was a lot of, um, you know, in a 20 year plan, a, a lot of people commented they felt handcuffed. That's one of the ways. Okay. Okay. Um, a couple of comments about den density, um, some responses to the, the New Hampshire residential area, and then just the restriction of building heights. So again, I think that the clarification of our, our approach here should address these issues. Uh, the next section was about homelessness. So I would appreciate that this section um, was updated to include some of the exciting work that's currently being done. So there's, there's part of that that we could include in here. Um, there's also feedback that this issue shouldn't even be in the plan um, or that it has only one page. Uh, so it's, you can see here, this is where I think there's a little bit of a divide on what people want to see in the plan. Some don't want it in it. Some think it should be more. Uh, some have ideas about additional programs. So looking at the current section as it is, I guess, asking this group, as it's written now, does this section do what it needs to do? Do we need to do more or should we do less? And this is Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. This was in the initial RFP as part of the scope as requested by the City Commission. So this was actually a directive from the City Commission to include issues and strategies related to homelessness in the downtown area. Just wanted to clarify that. Thanks, Amy. Um, th this is this is Sarah Hill Nelson, and and I made I'm I'm looking through the comments, and I know I made several comments on this issue that I'm actually not seeing represented here. I sent an email in, um, and maybe there was some consolidation of the comments. I looked through this you know, online, I realized there, there are some comments on homelessness here and then some later in the document. But I, I do have concerns about the solidarity lockers and the downtown streets team. And I do think I acknowledge it's a really complex issue. But I, um, I really face it down here at Bowersock in a really real and significant way. And um, I think you know, for me, I would really encourage that we have lockers consolidated at the homeless shelter, provide transportation there where people can have services, um, where we have services for people that need it all located in one area. So um, I I think um, I understand, Amy, I hear you, you saying that they needed to address the issue here and I'm wondering if downtown is the place to address this issue, maybe Lawrence can consolidate its um, services for the houseless population where they can receive all the services they need in one central location. I think there's a significant amount of concern about facilitating um, the use of the lockers like downtown. I'm happy to discuss that further if anybody has any questions. And 
Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. I was just making the point that it was at the City Commission's request that the plan have some um, recommendations on homelessness in the downtown area. That was a, way back at the beginning. That was my only point in it. Um, I, you know, understand that there might be some differing viewpoints versus on the recommendations that are specifically being made. And I think that's up for the steering committee's discussion. Yeah, I'm, I'm not comfortable with the solidarity lockers. And I think there are, are more humane and effective ways for us to help the houseless population take care of their, their belongings and, and do it in a place where they can get the support that they need. This, this is Steve Kelly with the Lawrence Chamber. I think I would echo some of Sarah's comments. You know, one of the things that over the last year and a half in particular that I've heard consistently from business owners and, and even visitors to the downtown area is the concern and uh, I don't know how, how to, to put it most appropriately, but, but the environment that, that the congestion or the increase in the number of homeless or houseless people downtown has created the uh, some of the concerns from the business business and people's standpoints in terms of what this is doing to the attractiveness and the uh, the friendliness of the of the the downtown area is a real concern and I think I probably would would also be one that I think we need to certainly try to address the homeless issues. It's a very important issue uh, and it's an important issue for the entire community. But I don't know that creating more uh, encouragement, if you, if you want to use that word, for additional congregation of the houseless homeless population in the downtown business district is a good thing. And, you know, if there's a way we can provide transportation to a more consolidated area where those things happen, I would be supportive of that. But I, but I have some of the same concerns that Sarah's expressed about additional encouragement of, of congregation of the houseless population in our downtown business district. This is Brady Weavers. I echo, I didn't mean to interrupt, go ahead. No, go, Brady, go ahead. I echo the uh, previous statements and then also reviewing the packet that we received of the 240 some pages. Um, you know, I, I lump it just from downtown perspective, safety. I, I don't know how much that has to do with homelessness and houseless uh, populations, but, you know, safety is one of our biggest challenges downtown. And if you look through these comments, it is um, affecting the way the downtown businesses serve their customer. It is infecting, affecting the way that uh, employers um, worry about their employees' safety. You know, this is a 24-hour, safety is a 24-hour problem in downtown Lawrence, Kansas. And that was the case before COVID. So it, it really um, boils down to everything in this document, from the parking garages to the uh, pass-throughs, the breezeway, what you know, whether there's a future, we talk all the time that we don't see the amount of strollers downtown that we used to. I mean, that is 
basically our community saying, I don't feel safe downtown. I'm going to go somewhere else. Uh, so I really don't feel that those issues have been addressed. And I think probably language um, that might appease the commission would be acknowledging that this is a, a very big concern and uh, something that affects downtown Lawrence. But downtown Lawrence stakeholders um, really need a seat at the table here and, and making sure that, because I, I believe that we can be part of a solution. Um, it'll never be eradicated completely in this general district, but it doesn't mean um, we have to be part of the conversation. It's kind of clear based on all of these communications, particularly in the second half of the packet, that we feel that we had not been part of the conversation. Um, so I would support uh, removing a lot of the suggestions, certainly the lockers, um, and even the suggestions of what a business should do. You know, we all acknowledge that this wasn't an economic study in any um, fashion. So to compare downtown Lawrence, Kansas, which has one real shopping entertainment district from a local perspective to some program in Paris, just doesn't really have a place. Uh, but just simple language acknowledging we have big city problems with, um, and, and we have a lot of people wanting to find appropriate solutions. I'd support. Um, this, this is Edith Guffey, and I, um, I serve on the affordable housing task uh, group as well for the city. And I, I wonder, I don't support the locker thing either, but I, I wonder there's so many initiatives going on in Lawrence about homelessness and houselessness. And I wonder if just a statement acknowledging the problem and that it's a problem for downtown, it's a problem for the whole city. And that we recommend that we uh, ha have a stake in that and that we work cooperatively and more intentionally with all the other groups that are engaged in this work. Um, that's the city. That's the city commission and AHAB. That's uh, the county commission. Um, that's Justice Matters. All of the other groups that are focused on this issue right now, and that we be a part of that. Uh, more intentionally, rather than our trying to do another thing on our own. Um, Great. I, I think that's a really good point. And you could say in there, I, I totally endorse what you just said. And we can say, you know, downtown Lawrence is, I mean, Lawrence is, is committed to improving the situation for the houseless people community. And we are committed to improving our services and bettering their situation in a way that is humane where they can get uh, a full array of services. And, and then exactly what Edith said, which was this plan asks that all the various entities work together to, to provide that solution. And, you know, it might be, maybe we just let sleeping dogs lie and not say, we don't think the solution should be downtown. I mean, we have a, a, a really, we have a very large and good homeless shelter that is on the southeast side of town that, you know, we could provide camping and all these things like a one-stop shop for people that really need that assistance. But we they, have to say we have a stake in it from downtown. Yes, agreed. Good right, point. So, okay. So I so would maybe, I would maybe 
uh, I would tag on to that. I think Edith and Sarah and Brady are saying I agree with everything they said. I would I, I would suggest that the downtown plan acknowledge, Nick, that this is this is kind of outside your scope from a solving the broader the broader issues, right? You just have to deal with it from a, a downtown perspective. But I think, you know, this is really complex, right? The the narcotic anonymous people are still going to be at Plymouth Church and the alcoholic anonymous people are still going to be at Methodist Church. And so there's a lot of entities here involved. And so I think a statement that just says there needs to be a comprehensive process involving these people to solve this on a comprehensive and citywide basis. And then from a downtown perspective, I agree with Brady. I think, I think in fact, acknowledging that the downtown business owners uh, really ought to be a major stakeholder in that conversation from a downtown perspective. I'd actually just say that right out, right out loud. So, I mean, a couple things. I think the basically from what Edith has said, and then all of the additions to it, I think are all very much something that should be incorporated into the plan. The solutions that we provide here um, really are a direct result of what Amy had said. This was a charge that was put to us as part of the downtown plan. We had met with several groups through this process, and it was made clear to us that there's really only so much a downtown plan can do. And I think our solutions were like physical solutions, not policy or service provider solutions, because that's already happening. Um, could could more be done or could maybe could more coordination occur? Um, are there other, other avenues out there? Uh, for sure. And I think the way you've stated this, it would be helpful, like acknowledge the problem. Um, you know, I like the idea of saying that the downtown has a stake in this, the downtown stakeholders, property owners need to be involved in, in those solutions, but that there are these other groups that we need to be working with. So I, I would, I guess, does the group all feel that that's the direction this section should go? And we're removing, I just want to confirm that we'd remove the lockers because, you know, I think you do these little things like you put this in a plan because this was part of the charge, but then suddenly these lockers go in there without anybody really contemplating what's the ripple effect of putting these lockers in here. And I think the ripple effect of that could be really huge. So I could not sign off on this plan if those lockers were still in, in the plan. Nick, this Brady Flannery, um, you know, I, I think you can kind of start from scratch with everything that Edith, um, Sarah and Steve uh, outlet, you know, it still deserves a paid kind of as you acknowledged earlier, it's outside of your scope. I mean, this is a bigger issue. And then I, I always want to kind of reinforce what you have as a guiding principle, reinforce downtown as an economically thriving district. And I think all the businesses want to do that, um, you know, and, and we want to be part of, of helping people out. But uh, there can't be surprises. People should not make decisions without consulting uh, the downtown stakeholders and, and you'll find great partners down here. Okay. I'd like to acknowledge that not all of the downtown business stakeholders share the same views on the extremity of the problem in certain areas. And a lot of folks have come to us at Wonderfair saying they thought this locker suggestion would be a good way to ensure there was some stability for folks who do move through downtown using services. Um, I do hear the point though, that maybe other groups, if they were asked if this would be truly helpful and they decided not, I'm not, you know, I, 
I could take or leave the lockers based on a more like thorough policy decision-making process. But uh, the downtown business owners do not all agree about what creates friendliness downtown for everyone. And I want that to be on the record. Okay. All right. I think we have direction here to move forward. This is Sally Zagrai with Downtown Lawrence. I would like to say the Downtown Streets team, that actually speaks to safety on a wider, um, on a broader level. And we have discussed for years now um, a downtown ambassador or diplomat program that would help um, to fill that. And regardless of if we move and consolidate services, which could be great, uh, for the folks who need it, you still are going to have people who show up downtown who spend time downtown and they need to be made aware of those services and, um, and guided to them. But that, that also, that type of a program allows um, for basically like a foot patrol or feet on the street is what I always say. And it also helps with, you know, maintenance and cleanliness and, a host of other things. It's not just um, uh, a homeless outreach team. So um, that is, I think, a good um, component of, of what you have included. And given that the city commission wants the homeless question addressed, that was part of the RFP, um, I think we need to, um, regardless of the the fine details, we have to acknowledge that there are always going to be transient people downtown. So it's how we can um, have some, um, you know, be proactive about that and help to help to keep it, you know, under not under control in a in a dictatorial sense, but you know, to be prepared for that. Thank you. I mean, so I think we would be, are we keeping the downtown streets team concept and kind of building that into all the other, I guess, additions we just talked about, I think reworking this section. I think our problems are bigger than that. Um, and I think homelessness and houses deserve its own page and just acknowledging it um, in all the words that Edith and Sarah um, and others have already very eloquently described. I would ask before we move on from homelessness, because I don't think it's necessarily needs to be addressed in this page, but I would like in the, the heart of the document to really get after safety, cleanliness, um, and the f fact that, that though you cannot have an economically thriving district if it's not safe 24 hours a day and if it's not clean 24 hours a day, um, you know, and then it would also, Lawrence is a very unique area. This is our cultural and, and for local business and, and local property owners, the hub of the community. We don't have other districts. So um, the fact that this must highlight an emphasis again and again, economically thriving district and welcoming uh, for visitors and employees is, is critical. Okay, thanks Brady. I guess I wanna, just to clarify, it 
seems to me that we're reworking the section, removing the solidarity lockers, um, removing the e-trawl, maybe even removing the downtown streets team and coming at this from an approach of what we had talked about. You know, this is this is not an issue that gets solved in the downtown plan, but it is something that the downtown stakeholders need to be a part of solving. So, okay. Um, you know, it's 559. Uh, I don't know if we scheduled this for two or three hours, Amy. I can't recall. Yeah. We purposely did not put an end date on, or an end time on it. We wanted to get the give the committee enough time to get through things. I think at this point we're almost two thirds of the way. If I'm looking at the spreadsheet pretty well, so we're doing pretty good. Um, I would like to keep going. Um, I think this is the steering committee's only meeting, and so I'd like to see if we can just plow through. Okay. Is everybody yeah. okay with that? Okay. All right. Can we keep moving? Um, so the next, the next comment. So on page thirty-six, we're um, just promoting the idea that people from a variety of social uh, economic tiers be welcome downtown. The master plan encourages the city to oust residents of a North Lawrence mobile home park so that the housing geared towards young professionals, retirees, and empty nesters could be constructed. If you want poor people to be able to live near downtown, you can't get rid of the kind of housing that poor people can afford. Um, I mean, a couple of things here. The, the comment or the site that that's referring to, I mean, there's plans for this area. Um, and I think we were just looking for a different type of housing and in, in to be redeveloped when you start looking at some of the opportunities in North Lawrence. Uh, I can go to the map so it's a little more clear. So they're talking specifically about this area. Um, so I don't think we're right or we're not recommending that this area continue to be a mobile home park area, but that this would be an area that could be redeveloped as like multifamily, a higher density. So it's not in an effort to oust people. But I don't know if anybody here has a comment about how this plan addresses this. or if a change needs to occur. Our recommendation is to keep this recommendation, to keep the recommendation we provided. Okay. Um, all right, so the next section, the next topic area is about parking. Uh, so for page 58, the surface parking lots have a history in Lawrence too. downtown business owners in the 1950s donated land. Um, everyone hopes that people utilize other transportation methods to get downtown in the future. It seems that it will not happen fast enough to not need to begin converting some surface parking lots into decks, dismissing the past business owners. Um, does seem, I think, disrespectful. So there's a couple of uh, discussion points in here. I think just people identifying, you know, where should we be putting parking decks? Uh, where should we be converting surface lots to parking decks or converting it for uh, future redevelopment opportunities? Um, there's a few here that talk about, you know, the high cost. I don't know if anybody's familiar with the high cost of reparking. It just talks about the concept of what it costs to truly flip over uh, parking spaces or to put in a deck. Um, so again, all, all of these concepts are are addressed in the plan, specifically on page 58 and 59. 
Um, so I don't know if this group has any specific changes that they'd like to see to the parking recommendations. We can kind of go through these as needed. I mean, there's some ideas like, you know, mention the using uh, honking when exiting. They don't prefer these. Some of this gets pretty specific, you know, installing mirrors or speed bumps or other traffic calming um, for the ped bike conflicts. But I would say that based on what's in here, the recommendations that we provided in the plan are the recommendations that we recommend. So these are not changes we would make unless the steering committee feels otherwise. Nick and Jackie, Brady Flannery, uh, I think they look great. Um, you know, as you are probably aware, there's a trans bus transfer uh, station going on that would affect even this type of parking situation. So I don't know if that can be addressed in any type of way that the, the transfer station is kind of uh, the initial uh, consultations and study is way uh, against kind of what you're identifying and, and talking about here. I guess, I'm sorry, Brady, could you say that again? Oh, it's not all that important. It's more of a, a comment uh, to the city and, and hopefully they okay. Okay. lay there. But, you know, I, I think you have support with what um, you guys have documented. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. Um, with no other comments on parking, uh, one of the comments about the parklets need to limit parklets to only so many a block parking will be too limited. If not, parklets are limiting parking during the day when the restaurants aren't even open. So we do have a section on parklets. I can jump down to that. But I don't know if there's any other comments about how we talk about parklets and what, oops, there what, if anything, we should include. I mean, basically what we say is the city should continue to support the use of parklets to provide benefits for local businesses, residents, visitors, that type of thing. Nick, what page is that? I'm sorry, sorry, that's on page 106. I know that's really small. Oh, <laughs> thanks. Nick, Brady Flannery, is there a way to incorporate in that um, that the city should encourage or, or look into um, you know, right now, what we did during COVID, they're all free. Anybody can go out, do it, no restrictions, no guidelines, and, and most importantly, no cost associated with it. Um, now, obviously, these would be free, uh, or it would not be free. There would be significant costs associated um, as we enter into, you know, a, a new plan. I don't know if there's wording, um, they, but I, I think that might appease some people. Yeah, I mean, establishing either it be guidelines or, you know, what the process is. This is Sally Zagra with Downtown Lawrence. That that actually is um, happening right now. The the look, uh, staff are looking into establishing guidelines if there were to be long-term parklets, and that includes cost um, you know, how it would be assessed and how it would be determined and, and how all of that. So I think it's similar to the historic 
um, preservation ordinance, maybe some language like that, like, yeah. you know, supporting the current, um, God, I can't think of the word, but um, the current um, efforts to standardize and, and develop guidelines and um, a more formalized program. Uh, and and some of the things that they are looking at is, you know, would there be like a certain percentage of spaces yeah. on any given block, blah, blah, you know, that kind of thing, so that it's not um, willy-nilly. Okay. Brady, yeah. we, we were uh, a little, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, not to wordsmith it, um, but instead of the city should continue to support, um, can we change that to consider? I don't want um, it to look like we should just kind of grandfather in everything that was introduced during COVID. Cause I think what, obviously this happened before COVID. So um, the parklets in the atmosphere you're talking about is a little different than what we currently have. So maybe just kind of tweaking some of the words there would be important to me. Yeah, that's a, I agree. I think we can be a little more explicit. All right. Any other comments? All right, for the parks and open space. Um, just reiterating, oh wait, that was a different part. Uh, consideration of under slash overpasses, for instance, connecting Watson Park and Constant Park or under the Kansas River bridges should be considered uh, to enhance pedestrian safety and experience. Um, those were, those were, that's not something that we had considered. Uh, we did show some expansions to the bridges for ped bike, but uh, I think coming up under the bridges or connecting the two parks wasn't something that was in this plan, uh, something that we could talk about. And then there are no trees noted on the map. This is something that was really specific. This might just be a mapping error. I'm going to look at this mapping error. Um, there's a question about trees that were adjacent to city hall and then just kind of expanding on that um, it was an overlooked resource so we'll i'll look at that one i meant to not show that it's not incorporated um, the next one was on page 76 and 77 uh, just with the value of the parks and the open space in general, it, it had seemed that we didn't spend enough time on this in the in the plan i, I would say we've dedicated quite a bit um, we put a few pages in here talking about the parks and open space. We didn't have many significant changes or recommendations. There were a couple of programming suggestions. Um, not sure if there's additional feedback from the steering committee that we should incorporate into uh, this section on page 76 and 77. And it talked a little bit about the maintenance, which is something that we could, I guess we could add that as language as well. Thoughts? No. Okay. Um, the next topic was the ped mall. Um, I, we do not recommend a ped mall in downtown along Mass Street. We do talk about the potential for events or programmed events along the, the numbered streets of the east-west, but shutting down Mass Street as a either temporary or, or permanent ped mall uh, is just not something that we would recommend. And it's not honestly until we got to this part of the project, it, it wasn't even something that was mentioned. 
So are there any thoughts? It came up in the open house and we, we got it a few times on, on the online survey. Any thoughts on a pet mall? Does anybody feel that's something we should be exploring or talking about? No. Yeah. Nick and Jackie, Brady Flannery, um, not necessarily on the ped mall alone, but um, walkability and parks and some of the other stuff. Do you feel that our sidewalks are of adequate length? Um, you know, are we getting too cramped? Is there, you know, at what point can that kind of be looked at and addressed? It's, it's hard to see people walking down the street with, you know, a dog and a cup of coffee and then another family in a stroller. Um, was there anything there? I know in the past they've looked at the width of the um, traffic, and I know you guys addressed it as well on uh, Massachusetts, that it is wide enough to be on I-70 and we might not need that downtown. I mean, there, this is going to be a long-term plan. Was there anything you guys kind of looked at or found in the, the true walkability and, you know, access between business and traffic along mass in particular? I mean, we talked a little bit about, I'm not going to call it like a safety issue as much as there are just a couple of improvements or maintenance issues that could be addressed along the sidewalks. But in terms of overall walkability, I would say downtown Lawrence is an extremely walkable downtown. You have a lot of variation in sidewalk widths. Um, Mass Street in particular is, uh, it, it is what many communities would strive for in terms of sidewalk widths. There might be some programming inside of that. And I think we provided some recommendations when we talk about the cross section of the streets, how that could be different. I think some of the permanent seating, um, you know, where you have permanent structures that are, are maybe cutting off the flow of traffic are, are a bit of an issue. Uh, and we talk about that. But in terms of the infrastructure that's in place, I would say most of downtown Mass Street or downtown Lawrence is a, a very walkable community. Um, this is Sally Zagra from downtown Lawrence. So just to, to put the ped mall to bed, which I think is what most downtown stakeholders would like to do. Um, is there, uh, is there, uh, I'm, I'm not remembering the language now on that page, but, um, or is there some language that can be included or is included to, to explain very succinctly why that is not a good consideration or shouldn't be a consideration? Um, there's not language about why you should have a pet mall. I think that's what you're saying. Um, I don't normally include, I wouldn't normally include it. I mean, is that something the rest of the committee would like us to add? I mean, for many reasons, we do not suggest a pet mall on Mass Street. Um, so I don't know if that's something we need to state in the plan or not. No, I mean, not as an, as a, you know, as a non sequitur, but yeah, I'm just, feel, it feels you know, weird. Just, I don't want to be negative in the plan about it. It's like, it's absolutely just not. like so many people. Is it? I mean, honestly, comment and comment and comment. And it really has to do with, you know, when downtown, for some reason, people want to go out and walk in the street and they want to drink a beer when they're doing it, you know? And, that, and, and it's like, they just think it's going to be the greatest thing ever, but they won't, but then they complain they can't walk like a half a block. Yeah. If they can't um, I think for I'm an hard event, right next to where they are. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think for an event, it's appropriate. And for the events that are programmed in, in downtown, and we talk about that, you know, I can understand why, but, but on an everyday basis, um, I would be shocked that business owners would support it. 
uh, you start to really see negative impacts to businesses where pet malls are in. For every one successful pet mall, there's probably 20 that failed. Um, it's just not something we re- we would recommend. And this is Clint Paw with Lawrence. This is Clint Paw, Lawrence Cultural Arts Commission. Um, I agree. It seems weird to kind of put a negative in there, just say we're not doing this. But it was something I thought might be a good idea until the meeting where it came up and you you kind of went over Nick reasons why it shouldn't happen. And and I I do run into other people who feel it's a good idea. So. Okay. As it may seem, I, I, there might be some sense to putting something in there. Okay. Well, maybe we should do something. I mean, we've had some good other discussions where it's been similar. We could just say something as much as, you know, a pet mall was suggested or had been mentioned, at, you know, the draft plan phase or review phase. You know, here's the reasons why we do not recommend um, mastery be converted to a pet mall. And it might even be like a little sidebar or, or a single paragraph. You should probably do that because I'm one of the people that is a huge fan of the pedestrian mall and love it and seen it very successful. But I am obviously in the minority on many fronts. So, <laughs> so you should probably put that in there. I will put that in there, Edith. All right. Uh, poor Edith. <laughs> hey, story of my life. <laughs> um. Edith, do you feel that by adding that, though, that would satisfy, I guess, many of the questions that someone would have for it and why it's not in this plan? Well, at least they'll know it was really considered. Okay, that's a good point. At least we can, I guess, being silent on it isn't really helping address the issue either. So, okay. Um, All right. So in terms of policy issues, uh, use restrictions, height restrictions, and parking restrictions noted in the functional subzone are burdensome. I, I would I would think that they're providing clarity, and again, they're also and I don't know if anybody else ag- agrees with these. They're general in nature. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Did someone talk? So, might have just been feedback. Sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this is to establish an intent for each one of these areas. So I, I wouldn't say that these and they're not restrictions; they're recommendations. Um, if this is something that wants to be codified, it could. It could translate into a zoning code in the future, but for now, these are the recommendations that'll help get to, you know, the goal for what we're trying to achieve in the downtown. So any thoughts on that? Okay. And then an additional sentence be added to the last paragraph on page 19 that no additional planning, here, I'll go to that, sorry. Um, that no additional planning approvals or text amendment will be required for development proposals, which do not meet the stated guidance noted in this plan. Um, that I, I do not recommend incorporating. I don't know if anybody feels strongly about adding that. Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. I can tell you that, that this plan will be used like other plans. It's not code. It is general recommendations, high level policy statements. And anything, you know, code supersedes it, but anything that would be not in line with the downtown master plan could still move forward as it is a general policy document. So text amendments would not be needed for those things. Yeah, it's just not, and again, it's just not a statement I would include in this document. Okay. Um, so the next topic area was the post office. 
there was sort of a mix uh, in terms of the discussion about removing the post office. It was a site that was identified that if for um, whatever reason or several reasons, the post office was relocated or either relocated out of the downtown, if they still need to continue having a larger distribution facility, or if a smaller portion of the post office was relocated to a building either on site or in the downtown, um, that site becomes a development opportunity. So there's a lot of a lot of variables that would even get us to there that this was a redevelopment site. Um, I'll go to page 38. And so I guess maybe the first question to ask here is, um, is this even an opportunity site we want to identify? For us, we felt like, you know, long-term, this is a, a potential redevelopment opportunity. It's not to say that there should never be a post office downtown. They may not need a facility of this size in the downtown. Um, so that's probably the first question. I, and think, then if, I, think what, I think what you've done is perfectly reasonable, Nick. And, right. um, you know, it's like my experience is working with the post office is like working with the railroads. You know, they're going to do whatever they want to do. So yeah. <laughs> I think you're just saying if they decide to do something, we can take advantage of it. I think it makes sense to me. Okay. Um, and if the rest of the group does feel that way, I guess I would add, I, we will do, um, we'll, we'll clarify a little bit more what the intent here is. We're not saying get the post office out of here tomorrow. That is not at all. It's if that post office could find a different home or if it could be relocated. That, that's a really important if um, it is a use that people use and it, and it has value. Um, but that's such a large site and a huge opportunity and it's adjacency to the park. I mean, there's just a lot of, of factors there. So we can clean up that that like intent statement at the beginning. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah, Go ahead, Steve. Is, yeah, this is Steve Kelly. And, and I, I'd agree with you, Nick. You, you certainly, in my mind, didn't try to, in, you know, to indicate that the post office needed to be removed and go anywhere else. It's just a what if kind of a scenario, which we don't control at this point. So I think, as Steve said, I, it's perfectly reasonable language that you have. It's just showing the possibilities that could exist. Yeah. I, I would even think this might be one of the sites that needs a disclaimer. It's like the city doesn't own this property. The city can't say what can and can't have. I mean, there's just, there's a couple of things in there that we could explain. So we'll add a disclaimer. I'm, I, we've done that for other projects and it probably should have been included. Um, a disclaimer would be good yeah, because people that. tended to overreact to that. And plus this is all government. They, yeah, they do what they do. Right. Right. And I don't know that everybody knows that those are two different government entities. So, I mean, that, that's something we can, we should clarify. So it's a good, it's an issue that was raised. I still think it's a good opportunity site. Um, there's just a lot of things that have to happen before it becomes a viable opportunity site. Okay. Um, public art, public art components. The riverfront is another great place to think about. Could be, could be like Papa John's. Oh, I don't know if this was something this group. I mean, I, I would agree with that. I think the riverfront is a great opportunity for public art. We should just, that's probably a place that we should identify if, if we don't explicitly identify that now. Does anybody feel like public art shouldn't occur along the riverfront? Maybe that's. Okay. We'll, Nick, we'll, oh. No public art comment. This is Brady Flannery. I wanted to make one more. Um, comment or observation about the opportunity sites, you know, in the past, so much has been discussed at 
certain sites um, and you've identified most of them. And we saw what happened with the red lion and, and uh, the post office being mentioned. I, I wonder if, and I've heard from other um, property owners of some of the other sites just feel that some of it might be a little too, I don't know, restrictive or not allowing them to at least dream big. And mm-hmm. if they come up with a dream big opportunity for the town and have great partners, you know, will it be heard and considered at the level um, that it might deserve if we've kind of identified, you know, what might be a good use for it in some areas? I, I do uh, specifically, there have been just wonderful uh, opportunities to, that have been floated around for uh, the old journal world building. I would just hate to see that have a specific um, suggestion on paper instead of a little more encouragement to to dream big for some of these uh, bigger uh, opportunities and catalyst sites. Yeah. um, That's a really good point. And I, there's always a concern about doing these visualizations because this is one of a million things that could happen on this site. Um, this is, this is sort of a, a visualization or a realization of the recommendations that we provided in this section. It doesn't mean it's the only thing that could happen there. Um, it's just a, a more likely outcome based on the recommendations that we've provided. But to your point, Brady, I don't think it's the intent of this plan to, to restrict people from dreaming big. Often when people are dreaming big, that that comes with being outside of the box of what a downtown plan and a code probably allow them to do by right anyways. So they're already going to have to probably go through some either variations or, or just a different processes. But um, yeah, this isn't meant to restrict people. I mean, I guess I, I don't see it that way. I can, I can understand why it's interpreted that way. Well, and I think all of us understand that. Uh, I think it's just the fear of how someone might misuse it, um, yeah. you know, for, for a, a true catalyst type of uh, project. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't mean this to be like a punt, but it makes me wonder if uh, I can think of other projects where every graphic like this had a disclaimer that just said this is this is one of several iterations or several um development outcomes that could occur on this site or in this area based on the plans recommendations. Um, but that, you know, the city would encourage developers or property owners to, you know, I guess approach them with the types of concepts or the the types of plans that they're, they're considering. But the, the really the goal of this is to say, if you could do this, it's going to be a much easier process because this is what we're intending to happen here. It doesn't mean you can't do something different. It's just this is to say, you know, this is in line with the plans recommendations and ultimately down the line what the underlying zoning code is allowing you to do. Um, so it's just more of like a messaging out there so people are aware what the opportunities are and, and kind of what the expectations are. But it, it's I don't want someone to come back and say, well, you don't fit into this mold. So you don't you don't kind of fit into what we want. So maybe there's somewhere else we can say, you know, dream big. I'm just trying to think of where that would go. Well, and that's my concern too. So yeah, any improvement would be appreciated. And uh, as I think um, it's been brought to your and Jackie's attention, it wasn't too long ago, we looked at a convention center and outdoor entertainment and um, housing and hotel 
in that area. So, I mean, even just to mention that mm-hmm. um, for, for this, the post office, who knows, but or to group them, group them all in together and, and list a whole bunch of cool things that might potentially happen. I'm just, you know, 10 years from now, when we've lost the intent of the document, I don't want it to be used against um, these catalyst opportunities. Okay. Well, I think a disclaimer would be helpful here. Thank you. Okay. Anybody else have comments as it relates to the catalyst sites, redevelopment opportunities? I was just going to say, having done plans like this, I think you've, you've struck the right tone about opportunity sites and so forth. And so uh, while I understand their fear, I, I'm, I'm, I think the plan's pretty clearly just sort of a, a plan that may or may not, it, it doesn't require anybody to do anything. It doesn't restrict anybody to do anything, but I mean, I think a disclaimer would be fine. I just wouldn't make a big deal out of it. Yeah. If you landed on just page 38, I can understand how someone draws that conclusion. I mean, I, I can, but the previous couple pages clearly articulate what the intent of these visualizations are and then also the redevelopment sites. But yeah, if you, if you fall on this page and this is all that you've read, I can, I can see how someone gets there. Um, Um, some of the there's a kind of a mix here about redevelopment so concerning the funding for many ideas in this plan um, this was just asking about additional funding sources related to redevelopment um, we've outlined it, we've outlined the ones that we know would be effective in Lawrence if there are other I guess Funding sources, that could be something that work with the city. But I think an adjustment to what we have now is not something we, we recommend. So that's this comment. I apologize. On page 112, where we just identify potential funding sources that could be utilized. And this isn't meant to be the be-all, end-all, all funding sources that exist, but the ones that are most likely to be relevant to a downtown project. I'm not sure that the CDBG is an appropriate paragraph here. I think it should be removed because I think the current structure of that is going to other sources. It's no longer funding neighborhood um, associations. So it's, I don't really think it should be there. Okay. Yeah, I think that was one. That's not in the not incorporated list. That was on a need to do some research to, to determine if that needs to be pulled. But if anybody else feels that way, we can just pull it. Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. Um, I think it was Pam who made that comment. And she is correct. The neighborhood funding no longer comes out of the community development block grant. But there are some other things that still do, such as sidewalk improvements um, and a few other things. So I don't know if just that piece of it needs to be taken out. Yes, that was Pam. Who can't remember to say her name. <laughs> Thank you, Pam. <laughs> um, sorry. There was, to Brady's point, some discussion about the, the World Company property and 
what types of uses would be appropriate there. So I think, again, that was one visualization of, you know, many different iterations that could occur there. Uh, but I think going back to that functional sub area and providing some additional uses that could be appropriate inside of there would be something or is something that we, we were considering. So just want to make sure with this group, you know, incorporating some of the other uses that have been identified inside of that functional sub area is something we recommend. Sorry, let me get up there. So inside of here, just giving a couple of more uses right now, it's just identified as mixed use. We could provide a couple of other, I think, potential uses there that are appropriate. Yeah, Nick, Nick uh, Dalton Paley here. I think you got, it'd be nice if we got more specific in this plan to really encourage the development of housing in downtown. I mean, I think it's one of those things that we, I think this document should be stronger in encouraging that. Lawrence is like very short. I mean, we're 5,000 homes, homes short on housing and downtown to me is a, a very specific area where having more people in downtown, I think makes the overall viability of downtown for the long term a lot stronger. And I think this document should really advocate, you know, we've talked about a little bit on New Hampshire Street and the, and the taller buildings there, which I think likely would be um, housing, um, but I think you know specifically encouraging that in those redevelopment sites, um, and then you know the, on top of that, I also think that like office buildings in in the same way, and that like when you get people living down there, then likely you get people working down there. So I think being very more strong worded about that type of development in this document, I think is really important. Okay, I Dalton, mean, Dalton, I'm ahead. not really saying that we should have some sort of ideal mix that we should be shooting for. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I'm just saying a mix would be fun. You know, it just might, uh, it might encourage some things. And I'm also just really generally curious about that, you know, from your, that document, Nick, that you talked about before about like what the actual percentage of downtown is. I don't know if you guys base it on square foot of retail versus, you know, experiential or services versus, you know, office versus, um, housing. I'd just be curious to see where that is. And like, how do you encourage, more people to live here and more people to work here because I mean, I think we're, we have an adequate amount of say like restaurants downtown. I think that retail is going to be, you know, a continual battle because of how retail is changing. But Lawrence is very, very strong in that area, I think. But I think that we, you know, when they built those developments on New Hampshire street and ninth street, like I think that doubled the number of apartments that were downtown. And I think we need to like, you know, triple it, quadruple it, you know, 10 exit, because I think that actually provides a lot of home housing that Lawrence needs to not just be like a retirement and a bedroom community. I'd also like to throw out that a fair, a significant amount of that housing needs to be affordable and not be gentrification and the very high priced ones that have been going in or things in the adjoining neighborhoods are seeing that you got a hundred thousand dollar house and you blink your eye and it's five hundred thousand. So affordable housing. Yeah, I, Pam, I, I think that's Pam who was speaking. I, I, I agree with you. And again, because Pam can't ever say her name. Pam Blackburn from <laughs> we Elna. Your, we can see your little black box lighting up. So we're, you know, you're on the right page. Yeah, so we we do talk about so on page twenty one we talk about how housing can be incorporated into the downtown, what affordable housing would look like, how it should be prioritized, and then in each functional sub area, 
um, where appropriate, we talk about mixed use. And for the most part, when we say mixed use, there is a variation on what's happening on the ground floor, um, but largely above would be multifamily. So that would be your residential housing. Doesn't mean that that's the only solution for residential housing in the downtown, but it's, it is an increase in housing that could be um, provided. So in terms of, I think, talking more about where housing could occur, I feel like we're very clear on where housing should happen and that housing affordability is an important issue. Um, if there's more that we need to say, please, um, I guess, any suggestions? I mean, I just, I just think that every redevelopment site, it should be acknowledged that housing is, is a possible use for that. Housing is a component of it, potentially. It would yeah. depend, yeah. And right. I, the functional sub-areas, as they're laid out now, lend itself to that. I mean, there's some functional sub-areas where that might not be appropriate, um, but for the most part, where mixed-use or residential units are, are viable, we've identified that as such. But housing is, is an important issue, not just in Lawrence, but across the country. I mean, this is something we can go back through with the lens and just make sure that we're we're addressing it uh, to the level that we need to. Thank you, Brady Flannery, uh, Dalton, great points. Uh, you know, if we have more bedrooms down here in the next 10 years, everything else is gonna really fall into place. Okay. Um, <coughs> the removal of Red Lion, uh, also with the replay, was a, an, a, a use that was talked about? Oh, come on, word. Okay. Oh, sorry. It's just being difficult. All right. So the removal of Red Lion was addressed as a use that people would like to see taken off that list. Also, like I had mentioned, the replay was a site that... Um, the intent there wasn't to say redevelop it tomorrow is if it, if it could redevelop, it should. Um, the comments received on that alone, uh, I think, you know, unless the steering committee feels otherwise, we would recommend taking that off as an opportunity site. Um, I think it's just, it was made very clear that that is not an opportunity site in Lawrence's eyes. Thumbs up. Okay, oh, I just meant Pamela did thumbs up, sorry. Um, so same thing with the red line, is that a, a site that should come off that list or come off as a, as a redevelopment opportunity? Also a thumbs up, okay. So Yeah, it might happen, but there's no need to point it out. There's no need to point it out, yep. And I. I know that was our intent and then I immediately realized our mistake in calling that out and everybody did a very good job explaining, explaining the history of both of those uses, which was very amazing. Um, Nick, I want you to know that the red lion issue may, I mean, the replay specifically made it into one of the candidate, the city commission candidates forums it was specifically. Oh, yeah. That is one of our candidates. That's like one of his top three, um, issues is not letting the replay be <laughs> redeveloped. Well, I apologize for playing a role in introducing that into your Famous. political environment. Yeah, <laughs> not for good reasons. Um, okay, the 
there were a couple comments. This probably should have gotten put into the post office. We've talked about that a little bit already. Um, just talking about it as an essential use. I'm just going to move that. Um, replay. That should have been in the replay. Um, page 61. We've talked a, a little bit about this, but page 61 strongly disagree with the recommendation to change development code to only exempt non-residential uses from off-street parking requirements. Lawrence needs to proactively encourage multimodal transportation in downtown. Um, I feel like this is this is a mixed message because we have heard we've heard both sides of this, uh, and Jack, I know Jackie may have an opinion on this too because it's something that we've talked about a couple of times. Uh, I think the way we've recommended or the way we've addressed this issue, I would keep. Um, I don't know if anybody feels strongly enough to to go with this recommendation about removing it. It's not that we're not actively or proactively encouraging multimodal. But the, the requirement of off-street parking was something that came up a few times. Thoughts? No? Okay. Um, the U.S. Bank, as a, an opportunity site, made someone laugh. Um, I think the way we've worded this, it's not a total redevelopment of that site. It would be kind of a, a like a liner approach. But if that's a site that we want to remove, we can. Does anybody have an opinion? This is Pam. And this that statement was from my group. And it's fine in there, but it's there's so many other places to work on. And it's such a weird building anyway. but it's okay to leave? Yes. Okay. Um, and then the 11th and uh, mass, the 3D drawing that we had provided looked similar to the hub project. There were some variations to it, mainly the height, I think was one of the, the biggest issues and then how it's being addressed at the street level. Um, so I think going back to that, although I do think there was an oversight on this graphic, I'm gonna double check the group. Based on what we had talked about, this this building should only be four stories. So this, the way it jumps up, would actually need to come down. So unless we want to allow a building to be five stories in this area, it was more to complement the height of the building across the street. But um, if it's not something that we want to see, that building height would need to come down. I think that I building height could come down and still complement the building across the street due to scale overall mass so equivalent heights and mass are not equalized so take it down a notch and we'll get a lot less grumpy people in the mentions does the rest of the community agree i agree i think what you did is fine but there's no need to push it okay let's bring it's old it's history okay Okay. Um, uh, 
I feel like in a way we've already addressed this, but just as a statement, the idea of identifying redevelopment opportunities where there are longstanding businesses and, and I think maybe someone takes offense with us saying they're not maximizing their potential. It's, it's not necessarily the potential of what the current use is doing. It's the potential of the development opportunity on that site. So it's, it's not a character assessment to the use that's there. It's a, a max build out opportunity to that property. So again, I don't believe there's a, a change needed here. Um, and we're not recommending that every property be a three-story mixed use building. Um, and then the comment from 1980 or 1895, I, I think that's just talking about the more traditional nature of the building. So I don't think there's a change re re required here unless the group feels otherwise. No, I, I agree. Nick Brady Flannery. Um, you know, I know we're removing the language for individual, uh, bars in, uh, one level, uh, businesses, but I think the rest of it, uh, talking about the redevelopment of, uh, of a one story or an underfunctioning uh, square footage is still important to leave in there. As, as you mentioned, I think last time, and I haven't found it in the language, but you know, a, a long narrow 5,000 square foot retail store might not make sense anymore. Um, right. So I, I appreciate language as such being left in there. Okay. Um. We talked a little bit about the 6th and Math Street already, uh, just talking about some uses that might be appropriate there. So I think just opening that up to more opportunities, we'll, we'll, we'll do that, like what uses would be appropriate. So that change we can make. Um, the New Hampshire Street is already tall residential. Doing the same on Vermont would make downtown feel surrounded and overshadowed. The reason downtown Lawrence is quaint and attractive is not because it has tall apartments. Um, I... I can understand the sentiment here and we've prepared a graphic that shows this to an extent. Um, one of the things that's kind of a unique variable is the, the width of Mass Street does offset some of the street view. So in terms of height, as you're walking along Mass Street, the perception of buildings that are either on the uh, east side of Vermont or the west side of New Hampshire, if the scale is appropriate, you, you do have an opportunity to go a bit taller. So you're, you're keeping the height off of Mass Street, getting that increased height. You're doing your step up the, the block that is directly fronting or adjacent to Mass Street, but then you immediately start to step down. So that's, that's the intent we're trying to do is you just get that step up off of Mass, but then it immediately starts to step down. Um, I think we've already talked about this and Pamela might've already made this comment. It's like just going back through and making sure that the height discussion is consistent throughout the rest of the document. I know there's a few areas where it might just be slightly off or maybe it's just not clear, but that is the intent and this graphic is showing that. Okay. Um, the replay we we've addressed, um, to take that off the list that was talked about that uh the river just a few ideas beneficial to the river walk beautification and water level control um city expansion so with possible railroad warehouse and factory implications by water wheel generator and alchemy screws city expansion and industrial jobs 
along the riverfront. So I think this was just kind of a, a concept or a series of concepts that could be incorporated along the riverfront. So that might be something we could put inside the functional sub area, just in terms of what could happen along the river walk. I don't know if there's any thoughts here. I do. I have a couple of thoughts. This is Sarah Hill Nelson with Bowersock. And I, on two pages, on page 16 and page 81, you talk about the river. And I do think it's really important on page 16, one of the key guiding principles is leverage the riverfront. And I, I think um, that I would think it's important to put a little bit more emphasis on that. And I think you've got this page on 81, but I wrote the comment in that like um, almost all of that page would need to be redone with the graphics. Like, you know, because it's right upstream of the dam, you can't have the access there. Like there are all kind of legal implications to that with our federal energy regulatory commission license. And I somehow my comments, I'm not seeing, it doesn't seem like they made it into the schematic on that, but basically all of page 81 or a lot of page 81 is super problematic. And um, so um, I do, we do strongly support leveraging the river. And I think something that gets left out along that line is that there's currently that special use permit that's under approval for the area in front of Abe and Jake's. And I do think that that's going to be a huge asset for the community and trying to figure out how to perforate that, get over the railroad tracks and perforate through the, the, you know, the old industrial buildings there and get people onto that river is actually a, a real problem that is going to require some creative problem solving. Um, and I do think there are lots of potential for that, but I, I think um, it, it, it really does deserve a little bit more attention. And, you know, just things like construct a switchback ramp at Robinson Park down to the river, you know, you got to get over the Burlington Northern. So it's not really acknowledging some of the some of the issues there that will be difficult to get around you know each one of those bullet points and I'm happy to have a discussion with anybody offline about that page but um, you know certainly the special use permit in front of Abe and Jake's if people on the call haven't seen they've redone that retaining wall in front of Abe and Jake's and it is going to be an asset I mean people will be out there hanging out there's money that's coming from Kansas Department of Wildlife, Parks and Tourism. There's going to be a pedestrian access to the river so people can actually get through there. But but how they're going to get there is a problem because you're going to have to go by the Burlington Northern Station, get into that New York Street parking lot, walk down the promenade, which is super cool. But there's still some access issues there that will require some attention and consideration. And I think that gets lost in this document because if, if one of our key things is to reconnect Lawrence to the river, I think it's short on how that actually gets done. So Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. Sarah, I'm the one that, that took your email and transcribed it into the spreadsheet, and you're correct. I'm not seeing some of your comments. I'm not exactly sure what happened. That's okay. um, but I will make sure to communicate that with the consultant. Um, and the, a lot of them were just very technical in nature. Um, and so they're not things that I think that need to be discussed with the group. They were just very technical expertise. Um, the second thing I'll say is in reference to the special use permit that Sarah is talking about, that is an application that has been partially received in our office. The process has not been started yet. We do not have, we're missing pieces of the application at this point. So it hasn't seen the light of day. Um, and I'd hate to prejudge that. 
um, since it hasn't been through any of the approval process at this point. Um, and there are other pieces of that application of that project that will also need to be considered, for instance, a floodplain permit and a floodplain variance. Um, and so I, while I think that, that we can keep things general in the plan, I don't think that we can go as far as putting in some very specific details in this general policy document. Um, okay, I acknowledge that if that special use permit is not yet um, submitted and complete, which I was not aware of that, but um, I think my general, we know that there is a retaining wall there. We know that we are trying, there is money allocated for that. I don't know how you could, you know, I mean, the ball is definitely rolling in that direction. And I just think none of that is reflected in this document. So I'm not, I hear what you're saying. I'm not sure how to you could indicate that there are there is an application process underway with the goal of making that. I mean, there there have been you know, multiple iterations of people trying to create human access to the river below Bowersock Dam on the south side of the river to reconnect the downtown to the river. Um, so, I don't know, I just think that gets lost in this document. I'm not sure exactly how to solve it. Can I suggest adding that the city should explore um, active recreation options below the dam on the Kansas River? Sure, and but I think really important and to to um, work diligently to creative creatively problem solve the access issues that are inherent to the site, which includes the Burlington Northern and the large industrial buildings and grade change. You know, there's some big issues there that are solvable, but but if they if we can get them solved, it would be a major driver to bring people and activity downtown, and, and when they're and then they're going to go shop and eat. And compliance with FERC, I can I can help the consultant with some of that language based awesome. on what you said, okay. um, and also what you submitted in your comments. Okay, awesome. Thank you. And I, you know, I guess my last summary comment is I do think it, this has the potential to be a big driver. You know, the 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 Evergy, the fact that that coal-fired power plant is going to be decommissioned in 2023. I mean, we have the potential to create this incredible outdoor recreation corridor on that river. And I, I think that's some major potential that is not shining through here. Thank you. Um, maybe in that same vein where we're talking about the most, most references about recreation, we need to emphasize more of the cultural and historic aspects of the river. So that could be something that we add into this. But again, I think we were looking more at like, how do we access the space and how do we program this space in the future? Yeah, and actually, and another really big thing is the, the lynching memorial that I think is a really important in terms of diversity, equity, inclusion, acknowledging that issue. Um, and I, I think that's important because that's a really important cultural resource that's right here on the river. Yep, and can I just break in for a second? We have somebody who is a steering committee member that's gonna need to leave um, to be someplace else. And so the question is, 
you know, will you need a vote on record? Yes, I will need a vote on record, but right now we have more than a quorum. So if one member leaves, it will not affect that vote, but we do need to be careful and mindful of that. And before that individual leaves, is there a specific issue that they may want to talk about? Okay. Okay. No, it's you. Sorry, Edith. Um, we are we are close. The safety. So I know Brady had talked about this a little bit earlier on too. Uh, there were a couple of safety issues. I think many of which we were able to address. The one that came up was enhancing the safety for pedestrians downtown and installing cameras. Um, not not something that we were recommending in the plan. Um, I don't know if the 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 committee feels differently. You kind of like this Brady Flannery, kind of like Sarah just talked about emphasizing some of the importance of the river. We need to emphasize the importance uh, of constant safety. You know, we talk about 24 hours a day, but we're really talking about 10 a.m. problems, 2 p.m. problems, you know, and it has to do with cleanliness and, and whatnot. Again, we can't be our best with all these other ideas, if uh, cleanliness and safety uh, continues to be an issue. Okay. And then just some of the smoking occurring in pedestrian right away, many communities around the country have made their downtown smoke free. So I don't know if that's something, having a tobacco free or smoke free rule or ordinance. If we had a BID, we could do that much more easily. Obviously, I don't think we'd have very many bar owners happy with a smoke-free downtown as it is now. Should the plan provide that as a something to explore in the future? It, it was the first time I had heard it. Our recommendation would be to not include it. I just didn't know if anybody else on the committee felt strongly about it. No, okay. Uh, just a comment about stormwater needs to be better addressed. Um, there are a couple of discussions about stormwater, but I wouldn't say that there's like a dedicated stormwater section in this plan. So I don't know if we, at this point, we don't have additional information to add for that. I, I mean, other than maybe some best practices that could be considered for stormwater management, they would be high level. I mean, general in nature. Thoughts? No. Okay. Um, Pam, here was your, Pamela, here was your comment about the CDBG. It was under tools. Um, just about that not being inappropriate. And we'll, we'll do another look at that. I do think that there's some, some applications for it. It's not how it was being traditionally used, but there are some applications. Double check. If that's not true, we can definitely remove it. Um, this is, Oh, okay. Yeah. I think you're about to hit that page 67 explicit mention of the value of trails to community. And I wanted to endorse that comment. It says it's not incorporated, but I do think the loop and how we connect downtown to other parts of the community and figuring out how the loop's going to go through downtown. I hope that is, I think, I think that does not get enough attention. And I, so I'm agreeing with this email comment about page 67. And this is Sarah Hill Nelson with Bowersock. 
Okay. So, I mean, similar to maybe some of the themes of our other, our other comments, it's like, uh, I mean, we, we do address this, but just an emphasis on the importance of that trail. We can just increase that. I would agree with that. To kind of, okay. That makes, that makes sense. Where are you? Okay. Um, for transit, there were a few topic points. So on 51, take issue with, hold on, let me go to that. Uh, take issue with the statement to make parking and walking between destinations the natural and preferable choice. Transit users are not going to park. Also, some people don't like to walk or have mobility limitations that make it difficult. How do we best accommodate their needs? Um, again, I, I think the plan is trying to be accommodating to many different types of mobility. So vehicular, um, you know, truck traffic, as well as, you know, bike and ped. I don't know if this is something that we need to, I'm not sure what the change here needs to be, or if the group feels any differently than what we have currently written. They did talk about potentially including or incorporating a bus slash trolley. That would be helpful for the development in the downtown, just getting people moving around the, the downtown in a, a more consistent way, not needing cars. Thoughts? This is Sally uh, from downtown Lawrence. We actually have had a long conversation about that based on um, this transit hub, transfer hub that's on the, on the um, plate right now. Um, and trying to figure out a location that would not be picking up one of our valuable surface lots and having a trolley then, you know, or additional bus stops throughout downtown so that maybe that transfer hub could be located, um, you know, more on the periphery of downtown, but also just having a trolley or um, some type of transit that would connect downtown with the warehouse arts district um, and then kind of out 9th street, but also to the KU campus and to Haskell would be fantastic. So we've actually had quite a few kind of, you know, um, naturally occurring conversations about about this um when I, and when i say we i mean downtown business owners downtown stakeholders for the most part okay. anybody else have any thoughts on transit in the downtown Okay. Um, moving into transportation, just two comments about transportation that we felt needed to be brought to the group. Uh, one, again, was an emphasis on autonomous cars and what the impact would, would be uh, in the downtown. And then as it relates to parking, so some of that emerging technology, uh, the plan doesn't do a deep dive into all of the emerging technologies that are out there. It is something that we could potentially talk about a bit more. Uh, and then also just the experience of pedestrians in this area could be enhanced. Let's talk about on page 28 specifically. Let me go to that. Um, so along six and math, uh, six and mass, just enhanced with uh, traffic control by creating separation of pedestrians and cars. So to Brady's question before, I suppose if there's any area that right now struggles with walkability, you can walk through this area. There is a perception of safety 
Um, and even as you're a safety challenge and even as you're walking it, it's a, it's a carriage walk against the road and you're on a curb. So I can understand that issue. So this might be not necessarily in this section, but in uh, a transportation section or, or where we talk about intersections, this could be a, a discussion point that's sixth and mass a little bit more detail. But does this group feel like we should be talking about the emerging technologies? I, I feel like we talk about what's relevant to downtown Lawrence. I, there's a lot of other things that are out there, but we're talking like 20, 30 years out on some of these solutions. Okay. All right. Uh, vacancy, oops, sorry. Vacancy fines are not equitable. If a landlord provides affordable spaces, they should not be charged a vacancy. Um, we did get a lot of people who felt that the vacancy tax was a great idea. There were some that thought it wasn't high enough. So there's there's a range here on some people don't think we should include it. Um, some people think the pe uh, the penalty is, is something that we should consider and something it should be even more severe. So I guess a discussion, this is something we were looking to talk to the steering committee about and get some feedback on. Maybe you could address a question I have because it seems like the local owners, uh, which I am one of downtown buildings would, um, would be penalized uh, significantly working on a budget and the, the folks that are the big developers who can sort of leave their spaces vacant, leave their rents high and it doesn't really impact them very much. It, it, you know, it seems like it's, it's not addressing the actual vacancy for those folks, but then it actually damages the small business owners who are trying to actually make it work and, and could be a major penalty for them. So I'm, I, it seems like it's a, not a very equitable tax. So I was, maybe you could address that question. Yeah, one of the recommendations, and I, I guess I thought it was in here, and if it's not, we can, included or maybe something Jackie and I talked about later. It's important to state that if it's, if they're actively trying to fill the space, then that could be something you could build into that tax. Like if someone's trying to actively promote it or fill it, that's different than you just can't fill a space or you're not even trying. Those are two very different issues. Um, so sometimes you just see a, a building that's sitting vacant and there's no, no marketing of that space or promoting of that space or looking for other solutions. That's really what we're talking about. If someone can't get a space um, activated for, you know, all these different reasons, but they're actively doing it, that's, that's not who we're trying to, I guess that's not what we're trying to address. I don't know if that makes sense. But can there be a consideration in that of whether in attempting to rent the space, they're doing so at an actually fair market rate because a person promoting a space available at an ex exorbitant rate that is not viable is different from someone actively trying to rent their space at a true market rate, which may not be the advertised market rate downtown, which we've seen is actually too high to sustain and support most small businesses yeah. for more than one lease term. I guess the, the way in which that language is drafted, you, and I mean, you would need to we need to consult on this just to make sure that it's uh, legally defensible, but you want to make sure that what you're saying is maybe it's within a range or close to what would be considered market rate. Um, that like, could get, you, you got to make sure it's not subjective. Like I feel like that's too high, but if you could put a range to it or a calculator to it, absolutely. I think that's something you could consider. 
right. Meredith Moore, sorry, business at large. Um, I feel like this would both help establish what would be a true market rate for downtown square footage. And it would reward those business owners who are doing their best to keep their rents affordable. They would not be caught in the net if simply like office spaces are not being needed in the future due to changes in how people work, they wouldn't be penalized due to that if their spaces were indeed fair market rates. Um, but those spaces which prove to be at the top of the range of available spaces, maybe then we look at how high above the average space is that rent that's not being adopted. Okay. Amy Miller. Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. I think that those are all good sentiments. I think we need to remember that this is a high-level policy document with recommendations. It's not the actual code language. And so I think that while we can put in some of those sentiments, we don't want to get too specific. It would need to run the gauntlet of legal. That's what I like to, to refer to it as. Um, but, you know, these are things that we would need to study a little bit more in depth. Um, but I think that, you know, Nick could potentially wordsmith just a little to include some of those sentiments. Yes. Okay. Brady, Brady Flannery Weavers, great points by all. And, and I agree the sentiments um, you'll have support for. Uh, but Amy, great points. And, um, and Steve made good points earlier. Now, Nick and Jackie, I kind of think um that this should be removed from the document i understand why the public reads it and thinks how great of an idea it is and and sees um you know i think it's also a little misunderstood like steve was talking about it might be harming uh some people it's not intended to harm and i think this is a really good document a really good master plan and this page in particular can really be picked apart. So I'd be in favor of removing this um, suggestion. I strongly oppose removing this suggestion. It's merely a suggestion like so many other suggestions in the document and finally addresses a very serious concern a lot of people have downtown about vacancies that lead to um, less of a flourishing atmosphere that restrict us from gathering income or sales taxes because those properties aren't being rented. Um, they're more of an eyesore. They restrict us from having more young entrepreneurs come and improve our business and services mix. Anything we can do right now to help get vacancies filled. And this is just one suggestion that indeed will pass a very difficult gauntlet. I feel like we should be taking those opportunities. Anybody else from the committee have an opinion? I agree with Meredith and the sentiment of trying to um, address what's really happening here, whether or not that's activated by a vacancy tax, um, but figuring out some way to create standards for holding people accountable to um, sustainable rent rates downtown is what's going to help us flourish long term. Is there a way, this is Brady Flannery, is there a way to talk about sustainable rent rates that don't, um, is Dalton still on the call? Can Dalton provide insight? Because most of the uh, local property owners that we've discussed uh, this with, it, it, and I know Steve had, had very valuable insight too. Um, you know, not that it's the most penal thing in the world, but again, this is a legal issue and as a city 
should they really be involved in this? And to me, we're kind of missing the point of what we would like to get to is sustainable rent rates and reasonable market rates. Yeah. I mean, I'll chime in here, Brady. I'm still here. Um, I think it's really hard to determine what a sustainable or what the average rent rate is because you're in a historic district and, you know, some of these buildings are new and have been updated and, and are current with codes and, you know, <clears throat> the buildings are in really great shape and they function very well. And those demand a different level of rent versus a building that needs a lot of work. Um, I think it's, I think the sentiment, like, you know, again, we all want downtown to thrive and like rising tide raises all ships. And so the more activity there is downtown, the more people that are downtown, the more businesses that are downtown, that's better for everybody. So I think that like generally downtown business or, you know, property owners are, are I, I guess my belief is that they're trying to make it sustainable for everybody. Um, but I, I mean, I, 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 I agree with Meredith's sentiment in the sense that we don't want to, we want to encourage as many people to be down here as possible. I just, I don't know how you establish that standard. Like it's, you can't call a realtor and, and they can't tell you what the average rate in downtown is because it varies so much from one end of the block to the other, or even just one building to another because of the condition of these historic buildings. Um, so I think it's a challenge and I don't, you know, I don't know how the document can address it other than to say that like everyone should work to make, you know, business sustainable downtown by, you know, making, it available to as many people as possible. You know, I, I, I wish I had a better answer than that. Um, it's just that like, even as you do as construction in, in downtown that, you know, doubled in cost this year. So it, it, it changes all the time, which changes the demands on property owners. And like, not every property owner is bound to like owning the property. A lot of us are bound by the mortgages that we pay on these buildings. And, um, when we redevelop buildings, we, redevelop or we add a new mortgage to our lot. So we don't necessarily own the buildings. We're just paying the bank off. And that's part of like the, the business model for owning property in downtown. So it just, it just gets complicated. Um, I mean, that's just my general opinion. I put a lot of thought to it and I don't, I don't have a clear answer other than to say, I think the sentiment is right. How we wordsmith that I think should be, you know, that, you know, the same way that we're talking about historic redevelopment is that all, as many people who want to come to the table and have that conversation should have the opportunity to talk about it. Amy Miller, Assistant Planning and Development Services Director. I just wanted to take a second to point out that we are very close to the finish, but we only have 11 steering, steering committee members left on the call. 10 is what is needed for quorum. And so in order to take a vote here shortly, we will need at least 10 members. So we've had a couple more drop off and I just want to make that very clear. If we have one more, more than one drop off, then we will not be able to take a vote. Does it make, does it make sense to take a vote now, Nick? I mean, it seems like we're pretty close to the end. Yeah. Um, I don't want to skip ahead or anything, but are, are there any, is there anyone on the call who, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to be volunteering downtown right now. So I'm, I'm um, glad that we're here doing this and it's really important, but I also want to make sure that we're, we're conscientious of everyone's time and, and, and is, are there other things that people would like to talk about, I guess, is my question, or maybe that's a, a question you can pose, Nick. Yeah, in terms of what was left on our list here, and this is one that has been well vetted by the group and the city in the past, and it's been, it's been out in the public. Um, one person in two different venues had just said a rewriting of the vision statement. Um, there are some suggestions in here that I think are, are valid suggestions and we could incorporate into it, but a total rewrite, I would not suggest. 
And I also know they say avoid jargon like zoning codes and mixed use development. Th- those are those are industry standard words. I I get that that might be considered jargon, but th- those are words that we need to use to reference the documents that they are are specifically referencing or the use that we're talking about. We do define them. Um, so I think these last two, I think there's some good ideas in there that we could incorporate. Um, but in terms of a total rewrite, that vision statement and those those underlying guiding principles have been out there for quite a while. I'd trust you to make sense out of that. Okay. So with that, I mean, unless this group has any additional uh, questions or comments, that that addresses the comments that we felt needed to come to the steering committee, Sally. So are, have we made a decision about the vacancy? Oh, I'm sorry, we did just move that. Uh, so, is there yeah, a way I'll, to to say something like, you know, I don't know, are are what and maybe I don't know, maybe somebody else just asked this, but you know, is there are there other methods that you've seen used? to strongly encourage active marketing of spaces or actively discourage just letting things sit? That, that's the tool that I'm most aware of. It, it comes in many different flavors, but it's, it's, a, it's a tax that really does get home to the issue that you're trying to address. There are other solutions that are, are out there, but not really something that can be driven by a downtown planner by the the city. So, okay. So when these are used, I mean, obviously there's got to be like guidelines and a, like a whole um, rubric as to how it's applied. Right. And so it has to be like, I would imagine, you know, it's been vacant for so many months and it's. Yeah. And this is just talking about exploring the idea of a, a tax, the, the machinations of what you would do inside of it or all the different requirements are something that would need to be publicly vetted. I mean, you'd go through an entire process before that happens. And and I hear Amy's uh, point about the fact that this is something that would proceed in the future. I understand the concerns that Brady and I have expressed, but I think Meredith is right. I think it's okay to have it in there. So I, I think I'd leave it in there as it is and as a suggestion and move forward. Okay. Okay. Does everyone, I mean, do we agree there? Do we have consensus? Okay. All right. Um, I guess to Amy's point, I would prefer that we move forward with a, a vote. And then if anybody has additional questions, maybe we could stay on the line. But I think moving forward with a vote right now would be appropriate. This is Steve Kelly, and if we're at that point, I would uh, move that we support recommendation of the plan as revised and amended to the city commission for their action. I would screen with with these changes that we've talked about. I would. I just want to uh, see if it would work. I would also second that, and I would like to say that I've served on many committees, and this is a really great committee of thinkers. I think it was put together really well by the city and I'm uh, glad that we had this diverse group looking at this. And Nick, I was skeptical that this was gonna work out at this meeting and uh, you did a great job of facilitating it. So I second Steve's motion. 
Okay, and I, I will second your comments, Steve. Um, I will go ahead and take a roll call vote. Brady. Aye. Brady Flannery. Dalton Paley. Uh-oh. We lose Dalton. Scroll down. No, yep. Emily Peterson. Aye. Matt Veach. Aye. Meredith Moore. Aye. Kimberly. Aye. Sally. Aye. Sarah. Aye. Steve Clark. Aye. Steve Kelly. We're on mute, Steve. Aye. You. And Pam Blackburn. Aye. We just made it 10 to zero. This, oh, that's awesome. But also I just heard from Dalton Paley. He said he had a computer crash. He's getting it back online right now. So he'll be able to vote. Okay. Yeah, and I don't know if it's Jermaine, but I also haven't, if, if you haven't seen, there's a note in the chat from Edith saying that yes. she would support the plan if, if we needed a voter on record. Yes, I understand, but she would have need to be here at present at the roll call. Okay, uh, very good. Count, but it, it was, yes, I, we did see the chat. We did communicate with her. Um, I want to thank all of you for sticking with us. Um, this has been a long process and it's been greatly appreciated. Um, I, you all have done a fantastic job and especially tonight, the way that you all worked through all of the items was remarkable. Um, and I give a lot of credit to our consultants, um, Nick and Jackie with House Hill Levine. And with that, I want to thank you all for your service um, and look forward to the city commission meeting on August 3rd. Thanks, everybody. Thank you all. Thank, thank you, you so everybody. much. We appreciate Thanks. it. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Have a good night.